Everything you do, every interaction, every sentence, every word needs to improve their confidence, improve their trust in the organization, and improve their faith in the program and in each other. So that's the second layer. It's like confidence is everything. It's scriptural. It's biblical. Like, it's a sin to be unconfident. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio. Turn up your coaching. That's right, meet your athletes where they're at mentally and physically, and maybe most of all, coach with intention. These are just a few of the topics discussed today with the big, beautiful brain that is Coach Kaz Kazadi. Here it is, episode 640. Hey, welcome to another episode of Power Athlete Radio. I'm John Wellborn, CEO of Power Athlete, joined by Mr. Chris McQuilkin, Director of Training. Howdy. And our good friend, Mr. Kaz. Back at it. Coach Kaz. <laughs> so for those of you guys who know, Kaz is a multiple guest on Power Athlete Radio. Yes. So Power Athlete Radio, episode 380, we spoke when you were at SMU. And now you have an amazing opportunity. You're taking over for TCU, Texas Christian University in Fort Worth, Texas. So we yeah. jumped in the car from Austin, drove our butts up here. And we're in what looks like some luxury box. So we're recording on on location, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, tell it like it is. I got a phone call that said, hey, listen, you better be available for us. We're on our way. <laughs> yeah. We're coming to see you. Yeah, we're coming in up. hot. Coming in hot. <laughs> we're coming to see you. The phone hung up. and then Yeah, that was time. it. And then next thing you know. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, last time, I mean, dude, uh, I mean, we've known each other for way too long. But I remember coming out and seeing you when you were at Baylor. Yeah. And then you went to, you know, uh, I think after Baylor somewhere in louisiana maybe it was a uh, augustal state yeah but before that i was with the dallas cowboys as an assistant and everything was going well and then i ended up at Arkansas state as a director mm. yeah you know so yeah then it was smu and then S- and then yeah. smu yeah. and then you were at smu and uh head coach got an offer to come to tcu right. and so you decided to come right down the road right it was to TCU. tough it was a tough decision i mean those those guys down in Dallas, I mean, they're great kids. You know what I mean? They worked for us. They did everything for us. And that's how you got this opportunity is because you had great kids that worked their butts off. You know what I mean? So it, it's always a tough decision, you know. But at the same time, this is my rationale behind that. There was a lot of coaches that were scared to work with me. You know what I mean? There was a lot of coaches that were scared to work with me. A lot of coaches. You mean football like, coaches? Yeah, football coaches that just just didn't want to work with me for whatever reason. You know what I mean? Um, uh, you, you know, you've always been such a wonderful individual. Well, I can't... check this out. It's like you know they they hear from another guy, heard from another guy, whatever. So then that's fine. But check this out about Sonny. I, Sonny and I talked on the phone, and he said, "Hey, listen, let's partner up and whatever, whatever." And he extended me that offer, mm-hmm. and he extended it to me like even before we met face to face. And I was like, okay, great. This is my guy. Now, do right, have his back, because he had yours. Yeah. So that's what was the the the, the swinging of the pendulum was like, just just go with him, like he like he took your back. Power Athlete Nation, and all of the coaches listening right now, are you ready to take your athletes to the next level? Are you prepared to master your craft? Do you want to be standing on the podium next to your best athlete while you hoist the Lombardi Trophy overhead? Then you need to enroll in the Power Athlete Academy where you can learn how to apply concepts like the blueprint for athleticism, all while fostering developing athletes in real time. Head to academy.powerathletehq.com for industry-leading insight and practical application. Grab 15% off all Power Athlete Academy courses from now until Labor Day with the code BACKTOSCHOOL at checkout. That's all caps, back T-O, school. Now is the time to level up and empower your athletes. And you can do that at powerathletehq.com. No, that's stupid. Let me just end it with that. 
Now is the time to level up and empower your athletes. Years ago, when I went up and uh, visited you at Baylor and got an opportunity to really see what you've been doing, I mean, you know, when we were together at the Chiefs, you were an assistant and I uh, never got to see you really in the head role, which I always imagined you would be. And actually, I was kind of surprised you weren't our head strength coach, you know, after her, it ended up peeling out. So uh, when I went up to Baylor, uh, the one thing that really struck me was that you weren't just coaching sets and reps. You weren't just trying to get these kids, you know, ready and strong. It was more about mentorship and actually helping, um, you know, help kids grow into young adults. Yeah. And something that you said that, that day resonated with me, which is a lot of these kids don't have fathers. And if I'm the positive male role model that they need, then I'm going to be that. And I'm going to be that for them every single day for the rest of their life. And I came back and was like, man, like Kaz is providing these kids exactly what they need. And he's like, because they don't have direction. They don't, you know, I might be the first positive role model that they've had in their lives. And uh, man, that was super impactful for me. Man, that means a lot. And I'm going to tell you like this, it's the craziest opportunity on the planet. You want to talk about loving your job and being like blessed with a great opportunity to work with young people? Because when you're in the young people business, you got to understand you're in the forgiveness business. You can't hold ill will against a young person because they're doing what young people do. They're making mistakes. They're learning their way. You know, uh, they're making poor decisions and they're kind of feeling out boundaries. They're testing lines. And as the adult in the relationship, you got to stay sturdy. You got to stay consistent. The standards, the standard. And you got to be that role model that says, I'm going to love you regardless. But here are the freaking standards and expectations. That doesn't mean I don't love you. It's not about who like you. It's what you're doing. So I'm not upset with you. I'm upset with what you did. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to use every emotion given to me by the universe to get the point across to them. If you need me to cuss, kick and scream and get in your face, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to sit in the front row of the pew of the church and, and not feel bad about it. If you need a hug, I'm going to do that too. So it's like whatever you need, I'm going to meet you where you're at. Because that's my responsibility as the adult in the relationship is to forgive you, meet you where you're at, let you work through all that young people stuff so we can be um, freaking productive. Yeah. Do you find that uh, uh, the sooner you explain that to the kids when they come in? And I know you, I mean, the the way you talk to those kids and more importantly, the reverence in which they treated you was pretty fucking inspiring uh, just because I'd never really had coaches like that. I mean, you know, think about when you go to the NFL. I mean, you made a great point there that, you know, there's an adult and a child in a relationship. You know, you're a 22, 23-year-old right. kid. You're still a kid, yeah. even up in the age until your mid-20s. And you may make some mistakes and whatnot. They fucking treat it like you've somehow wronged them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they're basically, you know, excommunicating right. you. Right, right, right. You know? And I'll tell you like this, but it's, it's um, I would say they are always looking at how your actions. They're looking at how consistent you are with your actions. They're looking at like how you live your life and you're not going to be perfect. You're going to make a mistake. Something weird is going to happen, but forgive yourself and then move on. And you know what's going to happen? They're going to forgive you too. And then they're going to move on. Mm -hmm. So you do learn from the NFL exchanges and a lot of my coaching philosophy. And I hate to use the word I, because it's always bigger than me. It's not about me, but in the sentence, in the English structure, the word I is important. So, I learned a lot from being in the NFL, from being around a whole bunch of different freaks, not just freaks physically, but, but I mean, just mentally, weird dudes. Weird just dudes. different elite, so elite type cats. And then on the other side of that, you would have a personality coaches and all that stuff trying to manage these people and all that. So you learn. Now, you also find out not everyone in there is as elite as the next guy, like we mm-hmm. talked about before. Yep. Like some guys are just okay. And then you find out, okay, so how do you work with that in college? You know, my guy doesn't have to hit these numbers. 
Not every kid is going to do this 800-pound squat, 450 bench. Not every kid needs that. Some kids just need you to know, like, listen, it's one snap at a time, and adversity will be there, but it's how you respond. Respond in the right right way, and let's get going. No, my wife uh, laughs because I explained to her that there's uh, different classes in the NFL. There were dudes that when they come in, you knew they were going to give it, and all of a sudden when their backup came in, you were like, oh, we're going to kill these dudes. And there were players, <laughs> and then there were guys that were just kind of keeping spots warm. And she's like, I can't believe that a guy's in the NFL, and you were calling him like dog shit. And I'm like, there were a lot of shitty players, but there were a lot of dudes that, you know, they got their Jay, names in Canton. Listen, man, I was behind Roman Pfeiffer. And so it was like, I went in, I'm like, it's coming my way. So what would you do to a rookie or what would you do to a guy that doesn't have much experience coming in after a guy that's played for nine years and was a starter and all that stuff? So I'm looking like, okay, it's going to be some type of play action, bootleg. It's going to be something to see if I'll do my alignment assignment or technique. So take the steps, read your keys, and then just do your job. Yeah. Just do your job. And then once you do that job, they'll say, okay, he did a good job with his eyes. Yeah. So if I just did that, it was like, you're not out here trying to say the word. You're not Jesus. Just line up. You're not Junior say out with an S on your chest with no responsibilities. You're not around. Junior lining <laughs> yeah. up anywhere. Yeah. You know, yeah. RIP to the king. Lining up anywhere in any gap, blitzing, whatever. Yep. Faking. I mean, come on, man. We you called know, it a cat defense. That, that cat's going to do whatever he wants, and we got to try to block these other cats. He's the only player I ever seen at practice with a chair with his name on it. That's when I knew about the league. That's that was when I was like, okay, this is the NFL. You can have a chair. Say out. Yeah. Whoa. Different class of citizens. Um, Chris wanted to, uh, you know, as we were driving up, we were really going into like coach's responsibility and really yeah. getting into the finer points of like what you. Um, like what your responsibility is to provide for your athletes. Oh, yeah. And you said it right there, alignment, assignment, technique. Right. So you as a strength coach using the weight room to help empower the kids on the field. Right. So it's not just the sets and the reps. So explain that transfer of everything that you're doing in training to prepare them for game day. Okay, man, that's a great question. You know what I mean? Because I think that that's where all the illusion of success lies. You know, can you get them to tie together the two environments? Can you get them to understand what you do in the weight room needs to transition to what you're doing on the field? And then what you do in training needs to transition to what you do in practice. How we interact needs to transition to how you interact with your coach. How we interact and how your coach interact needs to transition to how we all interact as a team. Then it's like all this needs to transition to the game. Mm -hmm. So you need to sit there as a performance coach or a strength coach and ask yourself, is what I'm doing now going to trans translate? Is what I'm doing now important? Okay, first, so now you got to create kind of like a system or create a, 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 a way to communicate at a high level with them. You know, so a little bit of a Bible. Create your religion right now. So it's like the first thing is like you got to start with why. You put it on the template, why is it on there? You put it on the run, why is it on there? You want to recruit this kid, why? You want to talk to this kid? Why? So everything is why. What's the reason and the purpose? What's the motivation? Now, that's the base of everything. So now if it's like, you know, you want this kid to perform well, this kid's got an injury history, this kid's got a bad back, this kid's got this. Okay, now there's a side effect to everything, so don't forget the side effect. Start with why, what's the side effect? Boom. Now the next level is confidence. Everything you do, every interaction, every sentence, every word needs to improve their confidence. If it doesn't and it takes away from it, you're wrong, man. You can't say you're going to take away from a young man's confidence and then say you're making him tough. No, you're not. You're exposing your lack of confidence, your own lack of confidence. Yeah. 
That's what you're doing. Our job is to improve their confidence, improve their trust in the organization, and improve their faith in the program and in each other. So that's the second layer. It's like confidence is everything. It's scriptural. It's biblical. Like, it's a sin to be unconfident. Mm-hmm. Like, so you have to remember that stuff. So it's like that that pyramid, that motivation, that confidence, and then you go keep on moving up, and now you're like looking at it and saying, okay, what's the next thing? And the next thing is focus. You know, can they be in the moment? Now you coach that stuff, and then you move up, and you're like emotional stability, and we talked about it, pain. And it's like that pyramid you use that for everything. You use that for the template. And then when you get to the run, you use that for the run. Can they embrace discomfort? Mm-hmm. I love watching Sugar Ray Leonard train. I'll just go back on YouTube and pull up Sugar Ray and watch this guy prepare for a fight. It was like he enjoyed getting in the deepest ocean where he could barely breathe and just train at a high level. That dude trained like nobody's business. And then you watch other fighters train. Like the elite ones trained at a different level. It looked like they knew they wanted to fight, like, I don't know, two weeks before even the fight. And then when they got in the ring, it was like this smirk on their faces all the time. And I used to wonder to myself, how would it feel to be that guy that knows there's no way you have a chance? I'm just going to go through what I go through, and then sooner or later, victory is mine. You know, it's just, I mean, I don't mean to get long-winded, but you you asked a great question. Yeah. I, it's like Rocky Three. <laughs> yeah, I had the Tiger. <laughs> you got I mean, me excited. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, Muhammad Ali said uh, he didn't start counting sit-ups until they started hurting. You know, like if you watch, like uh, you know, Roberto Duran, or you watch Sugar Ray Leonard, or you like Marvis Marvin Hagler, any yeah. of those guys in the training stuff. And this is why you kick it with Jay. Oh, dude. I mean, but you know, the old fight game, like especially yeah. even Tyson's like footage. You know, the idea that uh, I'm going to get up and run at 4 a.m. because the other guy probably ain't running at 4 a.m. He's not going to do and it, and I'm going to beat him on the road. But Wilborn, that's why I like. I, that's why I love this job. And again, here goes this word I. But it's like get up. Because the other strength coach is going to get up and he's probably going to be moody because he's up. He's probably lost his perspective about the job. Mm-hmm. He's probably like, I, oh, I have to do this job to provide for my family as opposed to I get to do this job because there's not too many of them or whatever. Well, shit, man, you made a great point about confidence. And as I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, how many coaches did I play for who actively tried to build confidence? I feel like confidence was like uh, something I was like holding on to as they were trying to pry it out of your hands. And you're fucking... one of the guys that could figure out to hold on to it. Well, so yeah, a lot because, of you guys uh, don't. No. Because the, the biggest thing was if I didn't believe in me, these motherfuckers weren't ever going to believe in me. And they thought they were making you tough by doing well, that. Well, yeah, but I mean, I, I don't know how, uh, you know, like, um, let's give you horses, for example. A horse will run fast not because you beat it. It'll run fast because it loves you. And I think right. with a lot of these coaches, <laughs> like, like they didn't better. have any, uh, but I... I also think it takes a certain uh, emotional capacity to understand it. And all you have to do is look at the majority of the coaches and look at how they treat their own family and the people around them. There's a reason that every one of these coaches has a terrible relationship, you know, yeah. with, with their kids and their wives and all this. You'd see them, you're like, holy shit. And it was the reason <laughs> because, you know, the people that they should be taking care of, they think it's monetary. It's not. It's time. It's effort. It's quality. And, um, you know, the the fact that we played for a lot of coaches that, you know, treated us like, you know, disposable toys that we were going to drop off the Ellen Misfit toys when we were done with them. Man, I'm just saying, like, that's when you got to figure out it's not about you as a coach. Like, you know, you have got to embrace this freaking unique opportunity to help shape a young person. What the, I mean, you got to be kidding me. Just think about the weight of that opportunity. You have a bunch of people that are trying to figure themselves out. And then we're going to take you out of this massive universe, this 
freaking mega galaxy and we're just going to drop you over here and you're going to help a couple of these men figure out how to treat women with respect. You're going to help out, hey, you know, say thank you to the cafeteria lady. That's someone's mother. Don't make her wipe the table after you. Slide your own seat in. Pick up everything. Wipe it off and put the trash away and then say thank you. You know, and that's that's your job. Yeah. And does that translate to the field? Heck yeah. Well, I mean, um, you know, like the role of the father. Like right. I always think it's like, you know, part of, you know, the role of the dad is, you know, sit, like, for my kids, get up, brush your teeth, make your bed, you know, take a shower, get ready for school, you know, go through all this, you know, help your mom make lunch. And it's like this constant deal. And I, like we tell them every day to the point it's a broken record. And finally my kids were like, are you going to get tired of saying this? I'm like, never. <laughs> no, it's not enough. No, no. And, and you know why? Tired of raising Cause, you. Because you'll never break me. And yeah. I'll never give up. <laughs> and I'm going to be relentless. And it's going to be the same in there. Yeah. And I think like the issue comes down to when you realize you're trying to help them and shepherd them across, not be the fucking alligator trying to bite their leg every time they step across the river. Man, I'm telling you right now, like love talking to you because just the, the 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 I think it's just the broadness of your thought, and I don't think you have like restraints of what's possible and how to think about things. I'm, I'm gonna share some wild weird ass story, but it's like I'm asleep and I like in my mind I'm asleep and I'm on this little mountain and it's foggy, and I'm thinking what, what does this got to do with anything? You know, I, I kind of get up in the morning and I'm thinking what what was that? And so now I, I start kind of piecing together that it's like okay. You know, what is your personal religion? You know what I mean? You're out here in this space and, and you interact with, with a bunch of people. Like, what is your, what do you really stand sturdy for? You know what I mean? And the one thing I'm like, yo, I love young people. Okay, so then what is, what are you a monk about? Like, what are you a monk about? What can nothing throw you off your pivot about? Young people. Like, you're just not going to convince me a young person is bad in nature. They are going to make ill mistakes. But at the same time, it's like you're in the business of forgiving them. And then now it's like, okay, that's your religion. And now you study the Bushido and you start, start looking at the warriors of old. And you start saying, this is how you train an ox. This is how you train a young person. Discipline is love. You know what I mean? Stand sturdy on that stuff. So it's just like from that one little dream... Everything starts to kind of unfold, you know, and it's like you have these moments in interactions where you fail them, a moment where you're fatigued and maybe you don't make eye contact while they're talking and you can't get that back. So it's like right when that happens, identify it. Get, get, go back to the young guy. Hey, listen, sorry, I zoned out. Put your hands on him. Repeat what you said again. I'm fault for not being here with you. And it's like, like oh, no, no, it's good, coach. And then they go again. And you're like, OK, because you're going to make a mistake. Yeah, there's a term we often refer to, coaching scars. Picked up Harrison Bernstein. He was an NFL strength coach for a bit. But uh, we take took it originally as like coaches that wronged us. But then now I'm coaching high schoolers and I think about, or That's was tough. there a moment I missed eye contact yeah. or, or, or did like something that potentially caused a scar? So then owning it yeah. and then moving forward to Well, it's real easy to cast. It, it, it's really yeah. easy to cast stones. That's another thing too, yeah. as a coach, you see people doing things and it's really easy just to cast a stone yeah. at them. But like, you know, you think about it, it's a lot easier to cast a stone than it is to be, you know, yeah. caught the stone. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, with a lot of these kids, it's real easy to sit back with, uh, you, know, uh, you know, 40 plus years of all this experience yeah. in life and done all these things and just all of a sudden some dipshit kid, you're going to cast a stone yeah. at them, not realizing, you know, the, uh, the impact that it might have. I mean, know? it's great because 
the funny thing about every kid that you have an issue with when you're looking at just personalities, if you start writing the words down, how old is he? That's the answer. <laughs> That's the answer. Uh, I'm having an issue with this kid. Well, what is it? He won't show up on time. Okay, because this is the first time he's had to be on time. Then it's like, well, you know, he's inconsistent. Okay, that's, a, you know, kind of like another word for maturity. And it's like you just keep on going. And pretty soon, guess what you find out? Oh, he's a freshman. Oh, he's a redshirt freshman. Oh, he's got three years left. Oh, he's got four years left. So those problems are, those are your, that's your job. Mm-hmm. Your job is to tell them how important it is moving on that you do these things. And this is how you do these things. And then that's like, okay. Then you get older and you start finding out, I have a problem with this kid. Well, how old is he? I mean, I think he's detached. Is he about to graduate? Maybe he's thinking, man, what am I going to do now? I was going to make it to the league, but I haven't played a snap in two years. Yeah. So what am I going to do? That's an interesting piece. I mean, um, you know, we obviously got a chance to go play in the NFL. So like our college deal didn't end. So I wonder with a lot of these kids where all of a sudden you can assess pretty early on, like whether or not they got the talent to be able to go in and hit that. Like, how does that necessarily play into it where all of a sudden, I mean, for you, it probably doesn't dictate how you work with them in any way, but almost like, Hey, you really should be looking for some internships and you start kind of mentoring them with the idea maybe that they might not. I think you realize everybody's going to the league in some capacity. Everybody's going to be a manager. Everybody's going to be an owner. Everybody's going to be, you know, a leader to someone, you know. So you just got to make sure that you frame that to them. It might not be the NFL, but it could be that you own your own Walmart store, you know. It might not be the the, the NBA, but you could own your own Chipotle. It does. I mean, you're going to have a room full of people that you have to display leadership qualities to. And this is the thing about leadership that's it's going to sound like there's a little bit of ego in this, but I think I feel like I'm saying it to the right person. I don't believe leadership can be taught. I, I think that's the thing that we say because some people are going to be managers. Mm-hmm. So you want to empower, empower the manager by saying here are the qualities of a leader. Mm-hmm. Learn these things and now you're a leader. No, you're not a leader. You're a manager. That's different. Because when you see true leadership at an elite level, under fire, the way guys act at an elite level, you can't replicate that. Yeah. And I know you see it. Then yeah. it's like, so then when you get around people that somebody says, okay, I went to school for 10 years and I did this and I'm, you know, supposed to be a leader. You don't smell like that. I don't feel that vibration off of you like that. Do you feel like you're in charge? Bang. Yeah. You know, you you mentioned the confidence piece. Where in the weight room do you provide the opportunity to potentially bring out the leader that was pushed down so far? Man, I think you try to do that every single day. Every single day, as soon as they come through the door. Who played a bunch of snaps last year? You got it. Warm us up. This is what the warm up is. Do you have any questions? Make sure I'm speaking concisely to you. If I don't make sense, make sure you understand. Communication is not me knowing what I'm saying. Communication is you understanding what I'm saying. So do you understand? This is what I want. This is when I want it. Boom. You got it. Now, you got to fall back and watch if big brother can raise little brother. And now that starts to build a little a sense of ownership in the program. And ownership creates a little bit of confidence because now I feel like, okay, I'm valuable. Right? And you're just always watering that plant. Everything you put on a template. That seed, you're always watering confidence. Every single thing that's on a template. And you're like, okay, hey, this week we're going to break you off. This week's going to be a tough week, but when we get done with this week and you super compensate and you eat right and you sleep right, we, two weeks later, this is where you're going to be, and you're going to feel like 
the Titan on the field. You're going to feel like the apex predator when you're playing. But here it's going to hurt. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but we are working for confidence, you know? I think it's in everything. Uh, does the NAL and like this new changing in the uh, in the rules, does that affect you in any way? You know, it's like, I think you just got to make sure that the NIL deal, uh, you know, or the transfer here, portal and all the other it shit. It affects us in uh, the same way it would affect when a, a free agent came. Mm-hmm. You know, you had to make sure that you got connected with the kid, asked the right questions. So it was like, okay, let's talk about training and what you've done in the past. Let's talk about what you did at that school. Sit down to me. This is a business meeting. We're in the league now. Yeah. You're a free agent. Yeah. Talk to me about what you've done. Shoot, I remember when Ty Law came to the Chiefs. When Ty Law came to the Chiefs, yep. he was the certain things that he was teaching me. So it was like, okay, now that that's going, I got to learn that stuff. Yeah. Be like, okay, hey, this is what we're going to do that the, the, the kind of mimics what you did here. Mm-hmm. So when these guys come NIL stuff, I think you got to talk up to them. Never talk down to a kid. Yeah. You got to talk to them about business. But NIL is crazy because it's like, okay, do you have a plan for real estate? The kid's going to look at you because no one's talking to them about that. No. No one's saying that. So then it's like, hey, have you already opened your LLC? They're like, what does he mean? You're limited liability. Do you have a small business? Or an S-corp or a C-corp right, or who's paying right. your taxes? Do you have an accountant? And then as who's soon as you do up? that, as soon as you say, okay, you know, talk to me about the tax write-off and how you're going to go ahead and tuck your money away. And you start saying that stuff, it's good. It's good because that's what they want to hear. They want to be talked up to. Mm-hmm. I'm not just a football player. I'm a businessman. And that's how they are. I feel so sorry for them. <laughs> I do. I mean, I like, uh, like, I mean, it was hard enough in my twenties and my thirties. I can't imagine doing it in my teens Yeah, and, you know, being able to, to go into this situation. I mean, it just, the simplicity of college football and going to school and, you know, scholarship checks and whatever got living below the poverty line made everything just like, I never realized and you brought it up. Like you're a minimalist. Right. I never realized the amount of solace and simplicity when you didn't have anything to worry about. Like, you know, the most Man. anybody had in their pocket was 20 bucks. I mean, it was like you went here, you did this, you had class, you got your books for free. And it was like you were just looking forward to the end of the year when you get to sell them and make a little yeah. extra jack. And uh, like they were so simple, you know, like, hey, we go here because it's $2, uh, you know, well drinks here. It's, you know, you know, dollar beers. And it was like your entire time was based on because nobody had shit. And then all of a sudden, really in a moment. But then all of a sudden, if somebody pulls up a Lamborghini, we all probably would have been bummed. We'd have been like, damn, this dude's got a Lamborghini. <laughs> There's some kid at UT driving around yeah, in a Lamborghini. Yeah, in a Lamborghini. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, yo. With like UT orange interior. You know, and is that the best business decision to make? What are you teaching that kid? Uh, you know, <laughs> I I don't know what they're teaching them. You know? I, I had like I don't know if I had given if I had been given that opportunity that young if it would have made me hungry enough to fucking claw and fight yeah. and battle through injuries and scars and this whole yeah. thing and all the bullshit we went through. Like that was like there was a golden ring you were reaching to. Eighteen years old just handed it to you before yeah. you ever could snap. Like I don't yeah. know if I would have. I mean, I can't say I wouldn't, but I don't. I can't tell you with certainty if I would. And then the whole thing about it is like, it's not to knock any other program, not to knock any other kid or anything like that. We're just using it as an example. But it's just like, I would be very, you know, uh, conscious and, and concerned about this elaborate gift, you know, at such a young age that comes with this amount of responsibility. And, and is there something else we could have taught you? And that's just, again, my opinion. I'm not well, here to not. Well, what they should have done, and I think what they're going to do, if they're intelligent, is they'll go back and these individuals that are given this money, there'll be some performance clause with them. Right. Yeah, like, hey, to. you know what? Like, hey, we're going to pay you X if you meet these deals. We're going to sit it in escrow. Yeah. And if you meet these, you know, waterfalls, these right. marks or whatever it is, kind of like uh, likely to be in certain incentives right. and uh, right. not likely to be earned incentives yeah. and then pay the kids based off performance because yeah. these dudes are just stroking a check off, yeah. of, off of nothing. Yeah. And if these kids step on the field and bomb, 
So you're talking about like the NFL? <laughs> I mean, yeah. right? Yeah. Isn't that, I mean, basically. It's basically the NFL. Basically, based on your performance and what we think you can achieve, here's the offer. Yeah. You don't like it, guess what you do? You probably find another suitor, right? Yeah. So I'm like, hey, let's just call it what it is. Let's just talk about it like that. And again, you know, I work at NCAA. I work at a university. These are just my opinions. It's just like looking yeah. at how it impacts a young person. You know what I mean? Doesn't mean I'm right. Doesn't mean I'm wrong. But I am entitled to my opinion. Yeah. And, and you know what? Uh, somebody who's on as close as you are to it, and then even somebody like me looking from the outside, uh, you know, raising my own kids, like just being able to like, you know, uh, provide them, you know, good experience yeah. and opportunities in this. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, who, you know, and I think the the interesting thing with you is being able to guide these kids and giving them a little bit of opportunity to, to hey, man, like, let me give you an example or like, you know, here's, here's how I look for it. Because how many strength coaches played in the NFL that are in college? Like, if you hit me up and said, hey, will you come in and talk to these kids? Sure, I'd love yeah. to. You know, I'll talk to you all about business. I'll tell you about running an entrepreneur and playing in the NFL and how to manage all the shit. I'll give you all the insight. But at the end of the day, uh, there's a certain... Like you got to have that certain hunger inside you where it's like, it's not about dollars and cents, yeah. you know, yeah. like I, I, like I've told people for years on this podcast, like if we fucking showed up and there was no fans and I just got to one-on-one -on -one fight you for three hours, I fucking still would have done it. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, because at the yeah. end, of, end of the day, it was about the truth. combat. That's it was about the, the battle. It's about the combat. It yeah. was about, this was crazy. It's about the fight. It was about the combat. It was about that you were going to make me better. Yeah. Like for some reason, oh, it was about trying to stomp a mud hole in somebody's ass for three hours. At the same time, if they were highly qualified, yeah, you were going to stomp a mud hole in them, but you were going to get better because they were highly qualified. Well, I mean, the only way you know really how good or bad you are is to walk out there and go against the best in the world, right? And and get as many opportunities as you can. And that's what I was addicted to. I just wanted to play against the best people at the highest stage on the biggest on on the big with, or I mean, the best player on his best day on the biggest stage. I would tell you right now, like the, the one thing that that NFL provides you that, you know, that I think those three letters, because now you look at it, why is it NIL? It's three letters, NFL, three letters, NBA, three letters. If it was going to be so different, put more letters on it, put costs on it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So check this out. It's like you walk in and uh, the linebacker goes, hey, do you already have your uh, retirement set up? That's the first thing you hear. You set your stuff down. You're trying to figure out the locker room and what's going on. And a veteran, Mike Jones, goes, What's your retirement situation? Did you already go fill it out? Make sure you max it out. Yeah. Your That's the first thing that happened day freaking one because it's a brotherhood. Yeah, because your 401k, the NFL matched two to one. You put in 10-5, they were going to put in 21-5. Yeah, and, and you hear that off the rip. And the amount of dudes that didn't put money <laughs> into their 401k when I left. Blasphemy. Dude, I had seven figures. I mean, dude, but and, and that was just free money that mm -hmm. like if you put in 10-5 and all you got to do is sign it and they'll take 10-5 out and the team would match 21 i mean over the course of 10 years and then you know money yeah. grows compounding interest in this there deal all of a sudden you look and you're like shit i'm 54 this thing's gonna be incredible right and what's wild is the amount of dudes that i knew that they didn't did do it because they thought it was a scam or they did or they were too lazy to go sign their name they didn't do it and it's like what but there was guys in the locker room that would say you need to do this you need to do this and then the deal with this sometimes you know the nil thing is like there needs to be someone to say hey listen this is what needs to happen first. You got generational wealth coming your way. So you're responsible for people that you can't even see. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You're responsible for your grandkids by going ahead and tucking this away and letting it accrue. You know? Yeah. Yeah, right? Hey, all right. I mean, but but these kids, I mean, uh, it's... Um, 
Man, like I, uh, when I think about it, it almost gives me a little bit of anxiety for him because I love the fact, like I tell my kids this constantly, enjoy being a kid. Like, I mean, there, there's going to be, you have your entire life to be an adult. You have the entire life to grow up. You have such a small amount of time to be kids and to laugh and joke. And, you know, like I came in and my daughters were, uh, um, uh, school start next week and I came in they were screwing around the couch watching like Sophia the First watching cartoons yeah. and I was like <laughs> what are you guys awesome. watching and they were like we loved this when we were little yeah. and I was yeah, like you guys are still awesome. little great job and I Dad. told them like like you yeah. know what like hang out hang out for the yeah. day like go swimming like yeah. enjoy being a kid that's awesome because the day you. when it ends it ends you know when I was like younger I used to tell my kids when they're 18 I would switch from being your uh, provider to your advisor you know what I mean the roles <laughs> will change now yeah. I do not provide I will say things like, if I was you, I, this is what you, you know what I mean? And that was such tough, brolic talk, you know what I mean? I lied. Now when they come home, I'm like, well, how old are your kids? Take off for? 22, 20, and 16. Mm. So when they, the oldest ones come home, they end up going back into their rooms, and there's ruckus in the house, and then that, there's that music back in the house. And you know what? I'm like, yeah, stay in there for as long as you want. Because all the other stuff, you're going to be an older person for a longer amount of time yeah. than you're going to be a young person. So go ahead and enjoy. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm with you, dude. Uh, I got three more letters for you. Talk to So me. there's something we communicate to our athletes, our coaches. We want to train a mindset of persistent pursuit of perfection. Okay. So I want to try to bring out those words from you and in, in your perspective on these things. Persistent, coming back every single day. Relentless. Pursuit, your aim, your yeah. goals. Right. And then perfection. What well, you're aiming right. for, but won't necessarily happen on every play. Right, right, right. So when I hear that stuff, I mean, again, does it translate to what the kid hears? Because, you know, you just got, you know, your frontal lobe's developed, so you understand what you're going for. You know, mm-hmm. this kid doesn't understand what you're going No, the brains are still soft. You know what I mean? So it's like when you say persistent, are you determined? You know what I mean? Are you relentless about what you want to do? Do you got lockjaw for this? You know what I'm saying? Like, are you in the streets for this? Like, good God, do you love what you do? You know what I mean? You got to be like that. You, when people talk and they're like, hey, um, do you know Kaz? And it's like, yeah, I like him. I'm offended. Like him? You know what I want to hear? That joke is crazy. <laughs> then I'm like, that's a compliment. That's a compliment. I want to hear like, yo, when I talked to him, he was obsessed. Thank you. Are, are, are you obsessed about something? What keeps you up at night? What wakes you up in the morning? You know, so when you say the first word persistent, that's what I hear. You know, and, and so the second one was pursuit. You know, and it's like, are you willing to put the energy in to chase it down? Are you a hunter? Mm-hmm. Are you going to get up and hunt? Because if you're not hunting, somebody's hunting you. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, seriously. So it's like whenever you're trying to sit there and create this culture, it's like the words that you pick, they become, you know, they become alive because culture is living. People say stuff like real aggressive about the day. It's like seize the day. Think about that image. Seize the day. Grab. I, I always say feed the day. Because to me, I feel like it's an infant. Well, like the, uh, um, like when you provide words as imagery, they become like, they come set in stone. Yeah, that's how the mind yeah. works, right? Yeah. It works in images and stuff. Well, I mean, was the last that's piece? like the positive Perfection. affirmation stuff yeah. where all of a sudden people like get up and, you know, hey, I'm going to do this. And, yeah. you know, you've seen people write it down. Like my favorite story is like Jim Carrey wrote himself a million dollar check. 
Yeah. And then like put it in his wallet and carried it around for seven years. And like uh, like a week before the date on the check he did, he cut his first movie. Or maybe it was more than a million, but it was some a big amount. Right. A week before he signed a movie deal and that's what he- The they, universe they will conspire, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the deal. And it's like, you know, perfection. It's like, what is that really saying? Because people will say, well, you're not going to be perfect. But that's an aim. It's like talking about being a master of your craft and you're talking about detail. So I'm saying perfection, not saying you be perfect. What I'm saying is alignment assignment technique. That's what I'm saying. Like, understand what the coach is saying. Communicate at that type of a level. So I love the fact that you're trying to create in like a, a culture and you're trying to make an image. So you're using P. You know, you might even go back into the alphabet and be like, why did we pick this letter? You know what I mean? Is a P in the school and whatever. Like the letter we picked here is a D. So first thing is discipline. Second thing is uh, details. Third thing is determination. Fourth thing is dignity. Fifth thing is do your job. Right now, those are the heavy Ds. You got to be heavy with the D. It's misogyny. You got to be heavy with the D. You know what I mean? <laughs> you did. If you're heavy with the D, yeah. you know what I mean? So that's what it is. But check this out. It swings and it's like, okay, what's the next letter? F. It's going to be DFW. Those young guys haven't even thought that it's going to be DFW. They think we just picked a letter. Right. So that's what you're trying to do because the mind works in images. For our listeners, that's the, the region, the area in Texas we're in, DFW. Yeah, Dallas, right, right. Fort Worth. So now it's like you have these five with the D, five with the F, five with the W. And now you're, what are you talking about? You're talking about hometown. You're talking about, you know, to home turf. And that's the stuff you're trying to set up. So hopefully you get to year three. You get blessed enough to get to year three. You're on the W's. Mm-hmm. Here are our DFW's. Oh, my goodness. How exciting is that? How exciting is that? You know what I'm saying? Because somebody's going to look back and be like, did you plan this out? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we did. You know, it's just exciting. <laughs> uh, do you love it? I mean, like, oh, I'm, I'm, I mean, I know you love it. Is it, uh, like, for me personally, uh, walking out on the field and, like, coming into training camp, strapping up the helmet, hearing the cicadas, smelling the fresh-cut grass, like, it's what I fucking live for. Yeah. And, oh, uh, like, I can't imagine a little bit, like, even, like, walking out there as a coach when you're like, ooh, you know. I mean, I know you're still excited to do it, but uh, every time you walk out there, it's like a little bit of longing. It's the only place I feel authentic. It's the only place I feel like I'm being genuine. I feel like I could not fatigue at all when you put young people around me. I'm going to do this all day. And then all of a sudden you go home and you close the door and you realize, oh, you're exhausted. That's the only time you feel exhausted is when you're away from young guys. You know what I mean? But when you're out coaching them, you could do it all day. And you could, you could pull one, uh, one guy up every single day and talk to him. Like, you could be, like, there hours and say, hey, I want to talk to you. Hey, I want to talk to you. Hey, I want to talk to you. Because you know you're running out of time. Because you know you're not going to have this opportunity forever. So you're trying to make a great impact. You're trying to help the head coach. You're trying to help the institution. You're trying to help the community. So you're like, hey, let me talk to you. Hey, let me talk to you. Hey, let me talk to you. And you're like, okay, did I do okay? And then all of a sudden something happens. Young people, things happen because they're young. They're idiots. They do something. And now you're like, oh, could I help them with that? Man, should I have said that? Did I spend enough time with him? Did I see that over there? I don't know. And now you got to go, you know what? You're not the almighty. You're not running the universe. You were sent here to help out young people. This is young people business. This is what young people do. They make mistakes. And you got to fall back and say, okay, try it again. Okay, try it again. And that's where, you know, when we, when we, when we pause and all that, it's like the illusion of success and the illusion of failure. I spend so much time meditating on that stuff. 
how unreal it is. There's no such thing as either one of those. Both of those are fixed statements. Both of those mean that you have stopped doing what you were doing. You know, were you successful? Is there tomorrow? You know, that's a, a I was actually thinking on this today because uh, I saw some, I think it was yesterday about, they were talking about suicides in this yeah, country. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they were saying like 31,000 people and they were wow. going through this whole thing with like veteran suicide and going through suicide. And uh, it always amazes me a little bit. And I think it might've been in relation to Naomi Judd. Yeah. Um, she just, you know, passed away, committed suicide. And they were talking about this and like suicide is this, you know, uh, uh, you know, emotional, you know, problem we're dealing with. And uh, it struck me at the finality of it, mm -hmm. where now all of a sudden I have no more chance to be able to go out on the field yeah. and win and lose and this and this. Yeah. I'm just going to fucking end it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like what could be so terrible or what, like, you know, like, you know, today I don't want to see the dawn rise tomorrow. Right, 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 and, right, uh, right, right. you know, you think about, like you said, the illusion of like, you know, victory in this. I mean, yeah. you're picking a fixed point, right. not realizing that like that point can, can, can move forever and you can redefine it in any way. How you define victory, mm -hmm. you know, might be, you know, based upon one kid or on yeah. a team or a bowl or this. I yeah. mean, you can constantly change this point. Yeah. And uh, I'm always like, it feels, uh, I feel super sad for people that are in such a mental state that they feel that like there is no more to go forward. I mean, it's that this is it and I'm going to fucking end it. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's no more chance for victory. Yeah. There is no chance for defeat and love and this. I mean, it's over. No, it's heartbreaking, man. And that's why, you know, it's hard to bring the king up. But like, I cried for a while when Junior passed. Yeah. I cried for a while. Like, I was sad, man, because that was a hero of mine. Yeah. You know? And it's the deal. It's the thing. Well, how much pain? Like, like that's the that's the one thing that I don't think anybody can imagine because it's real easy to cast a stone. But we knew him. I mean, shit, dude, he gave my welcome to the NFL moment. I've talked about it, and I was super sad for a long time on it. Um, how much pain was that dude and what a warrior were that he was that he wasn't able to ask for help? Right. Or was it like, you know, was it a cultural? Was it this idea of men that, I mean, did he have nobody yeah. to reach out to? Did he try? And the fact that he had to like, this was his only escape. I, this is the deal. Like you, at some point, hopefully you're around people and people are around people and you realize your life is not your own. You know, like this interaction, this is not about me. It's not about you. It's hopefully somebody out there is like, you know what? That conversation has inspired me to look into this or, or whatever. This, their conversation, I benefited off their wave. So thanks for the wave, I'm going to surf this wave yeah. and, and find something else. That's what this is about. And that's when, like, once you realize that, I mean, life is too sweet. It's so freaking good. It's so freaking good when you realize it's not about you. It's not about you. And if you can help someone along the way and that other person can help somebody else, somebody's going to be like, oh, you're an optimist. Oh, you, you know, you think, ah, get out of here, man. I'm not talking to you. I'm not feeling what you're saying. But it's like such a big deal. Like when you call me and like, do you have time? Yes. Even if I didn't have time, I'm going to say yes. Well, thank you. I don't care what I'm doing. Why is that? Because I remember you coming through and, 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 and watching this coach. And I remember talking to you and you taught me about the first meaningful touch. Yeah. And we were talking about O-line play. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about the first meaningful touch. I grabbed a couple of young linemen and I said, you know, talk to him. And he just really concisely talked about it. And then that was it. Then he did his thing and kind of moved on. You know, he can hop from topic to topic quick. And he was on. And it was like, he came, you're talking, over 12 years ago. You know, yep. so it was like at other universities and then now it's here. So it's like, yeah, I don't care what time it is. Yeah. We just interviewed Ron McKeefery. His athletes were highlighted in Sports Illustrated, yeah. like the before and after. And he, he started in December as well. Mm -hmm. So like that much impact and the value of buy-in on nutrition side of 
yeah, side of things. Yeah, yeah. goes yeah. a long way. Oh yeah, yeah. Dude, it's, you can't out train a bad diet. I mean, I've right, I've right. seen people try it. Yeah. I mean, shit. We like we knew a lot of genetic freaks freaks that could, but I don't think you can out train a bad diet. Well, yeah, but that's it. It's like people don't understand. You're gonna train in a year, a given year. You're gonna train up to 300 times, but you're gonna eat up to 15 to 1600 times. Yeah. So it's like, what are you gonna do more? You think the two hours here overtakes these other 22 hours on your own? Stop. <laughs> that's not true at all. What, what do you guys have for training table? Do you have it all year round, every yeah, meal for them? it's all year round, and sometimes it'll change location to campus just to you know work with the budget a little bit. You always got to think about the business side or whatever. But it's all year round is the nutrition game. Mm. I mean, if you're serious about performance, you can't ever stop that. Mm. You know, because now he's like, what do you think is making a team? It's like you train them in the weight room, and you think that's making them? Think about it. I'm breaking you down. Mm-hmm. All I did is break you down. And then now I think I made you stronger. How naive is that? I broke you down. There's only one thing that can make you stronger. There's only one thing that can rebuild you so you can train to actually get stronger and create the positive side effect. Everything else, placebo. And how are you selling sleep? We just seen Kyler Murray had a clause in his contract of playing too much video games, like needs to study. Right, right. So how are you selling sleep and staying off of video games? You know what? Like I said, I'm talking up to the guys. So basically it's like, I believe that if you educate a young man and you show him the information and you put them in a positive cycle, that regardless of whether they want to or not, they will end up doing what's best in their best interest. What do I mean? So we have guys that didn't believe in nutrition. But if I can get you to take one leafy green, if I can get you to understand the fruits and vegetables and arugula are actually aphrodisiacs and they're great for men. You know what I mean? They increase libido. They remove toxins and all that stuff. So it's like, you know, this is actually good for you. Now you sell it like that, and then you talk about the, you know, clean protein and stuff. Guys start to look better. They start to perform better. Now that they're stuck in that positive nutrition cycle, there's side effects to that cycle. And the side effect of that cycle is sleeping better. Mm. The more snacks you eat, the more you understand good carbs, the better naps you take the better quality rest you get. And then all of a sudden, it's like the I start to look different. Yeah. Why am I looking different? Now, that's I think that's the biggest sell. And then now it's like trying to get them to understand, like choose sleep, though. You know, don't make it a secondary thing. Do you guys have anything well, jiggy, like uh, sleep pods or anything here? Yeah, yeah, on the way. I mean, we got a big yeah. project coming. I mean, we got a big uh, uh, performance center that's going to be built, and we're excited about it. Um, freaking weight room and then uh, oh you guys got a new weight room yeah too? we got it's, it's on the way we're gonna start building this like the weight room coming nice. the uh, uh, nutrition center coming Sornex weight room center. I, I don't got any names yet oh. you know I just don't want the money yeah yeah. so <laughs> donors are excited about it and it's like it's gonna get built so it's, nice. it's where's the present deal. weight room uh, it, it's in the stadium the, the weight room is attached to that grass field that football field okay on, at practice field sweet so I mean it's going to be a big deal. It's going to be a real big deal. So they're going all in. Oh, yeah. State of Texas. That's what they do. You know? This is Texas, man. They're going to well, go nobody big. likes to be outdone in Texas. That's the no. one thing I, I, yeah. I realize. Everybody trying to outdo everybody. Yeah. You know? But at the same time, it's like, man, I mean, that's what other business you want to be in. It's competitive. And it's always competitive. It's competitive in hiring. It's in competitive in retention. It's competitive in recruiting. It's in competitive in transfer portals. It's competitive in, like, um, uh, keeping your athletes. I mean, you find out every day is recruiting. You find out you are selling the program every single day. So you better have people to understand that, too. <laughs> it's, 
it's amazing, man. Well, I mean, uh, even on the other side too, like, uh, you know, you say you're recruiting every day, you're even recruiting your players to stay here. Oh, every day. I mean, you know, like, like so, uh, you know, a kid's upset or this, and I'm going to get in the transfer portal. I mean, you're actually actively working. And then, uh, I don't know, I mean, can other teams contact players? I mean, are players oh, getting man, poached? Oh, man, always going to be tampering. You know, yeah. people act like they're not going to tamper. They're going to tamper. Sure. I mean, shoot, if I recruited a kid that you got, you know, I'm going to stay in touch with them. How do I do that? I like a page on social media. I like a pic. You know what I mean? I might tap back on something. That's just me saying hello, kind of like your ex-girl. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Tap back on a picture. That's a hello. That's a wink. Mm-hmm. That's all that is. So I think it's it's just important to understand that competition doesn't end. It just doesn't end, man. It's all ongoing. Mm. Are you no, nah, I'm good, man. I'll get okay. that in a second. I don't think it's an emergency. Yeah, it's just fair. Okay. Pretty good. It's so what does the future on. hold? Oh, wow. Like, like what's the, uh, I mean, I, I know you're kind of a, you know, hey, I'm going to, uh, you know, just fucking crush tomorrow and today. But, like, what's the uh, what's the future? What's the game plan? Like, what's the vision? Um, you know, I know that, you know, it's always been kind of, you know, do the work with the individuals in here and good things happen to those who work hard. So what's the vision on this? I don't know. I'm excited. You know, I'm like, right now, it's like you're literally being intentional with everything you do. Like every exchange, every conversation, every letter of every word, we're fighting to be intentional. You know, every interaction with these guys, you're working on building a culture and making sure you don't regret a moment. You know, so it's like one foot's in the present, the other foot's in the future. You know, attention and intention, you know, seeing those things as currency. So everything that's on the program, everything that's in the template, every time you freak out, it's intentional. I will intentionally cuss you out to get the right result the next day. You know, now it's like, you know, you have my attention. Now let's start moving because this is important to us. This is important to the community. So it needs to be important to you. You know, so it's like, okay, let's be intentional. Be intentional with who you recruit. Be intentional with who you retain. So it's like be intentional with who you hire. But at the same time, those people need to be intentional professionals. So it's like, don't do random. We don't do random. Don't give me random information. Don't print out random information. Don't put random things on the template. That's the one thing I think our staff will tell you will drive me, like, just to call a timeout in a staff meeting and go take a walk. Because you don't want to change this guy's livelihood by firing. Because that was a random move. And you wouldn't do that on a Sunday game. Mm -hmm. Because you know what? The professional will be like, There's a difference between an adjustment and something random. Mm -hmm. An adjustment is based off of something we've been working on and it's a a, a foundational uh, play or whatever we're doing. Now we're like, hey, instead of banjoing this, you guys are just going to go ahead and, okay, that makes sense. But if it just becomes random, I'm going to tell you, these guys are Yeah, drawing shit up up in the dirt. (laughs) Don't do that shit. We've we've had that happen. Fucking fraud. Get rid of you. Yeah, you have one random bullet. You know, you really do. You just can't do random. Or if you do, you got to sell it. Yeah, yeah. You better be a hell of a salesman. You got to be a good yeah, salesman. Yeah, yeah. So when you get into it, I mean, um, you know, I mean, obviously you guys are fairly early on in this whole deal. Uh, like, what's the expectation? I mean, is it to to win it all? I mean, like, I, I mean, I know you want to go win it all, but I mean, do you guys feel like you got the uh, the horses but in the stall is, to go out and do it? You know, I mean, it's like, but what is the win? You know what I mean? It's like the expectation is to well, leave what the is tank. a win? Yeah, it's to leave the tank empty. It's like to be done. When they tell you, hey, we can't stand your personality anymore, get out the building, I happily grab my bag, skip to my loo. No regrets. I don't know you shit. 
You don't owe me shit. We had a great exchange. That's always been the thing. At the end, that's the win. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, we were talking about success and failure. Mm -hmm. There's no such thing. So for me to say, this is the goal and this is going to be what I think is successful is for me to forget about the day after that. Mm -hmm. Because the day after that, guess what? I want to do it again. If, it, if we don't do it again, then is it, was I successful? Because now it's like, well, when did I stop? Now I got to go back and find something else to compete in. So I just think it's like to look at it, you have no regret, empty the tank, you know, everything is at zero. You know, you gassed out, be that old man sitting back with a cigar, lit up on the beach, feet kicked up. <laughs> for about a week. And then you're like, now I got to get back to work in my real life. All these people talk about retirement. I'm like, for what, a weekend? <laughs> you know, uh, you know, my dad always said the day he retires is probably the day you die. Yeah. You know, you always got to be in the fight. You always have to be competitive with something. And, um, you know, I mean, like you said, dude, like you get supercharged by being around a bunch of young people yeah. that go hard and want to do well. And the, what's cool is you're in a place where you're needed in terms of mentorship, which I think is, is um, it, like I've come to the realization when I meet people uh, and that they're lacking in some aspect of their personality. Uh, like, whereas you're like, you know, hey, I just like how old they are. I think they like mentorship. Right, right. You know, right, like, um, do they not have an older brother? Do they not have a dad? Do they have this? Like, what's deficient in them? And more importantly, why are they missing this piece? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, like the picture where it's like, uh, uh, like the, you know, it's the drawing of the father and the son and like the kid is made of a whole bunch of pieces that are removed from the dad. Right, right, right. You know, I think about that a, a lot. Like maybe the reason people are missing pieces is they didn't have a mentor, they didn't have a positive relationship with somebody or they didn't, somebody didn't believe in them. Yeah, or they haven't met you. True. Because if they meet you, I know you're willing to have an exchange. And well, that exchange leaves a scar, positive I, or negative. I think, um, I think if somebody, uh, I'll, I'll just give you an example. Like, uh, if somebody invests the time, I think you have to reciprocate. Right. You know, if somebody reaches out to you and wants to offer you, or you know, is curious about your life, or you know, wants to make an impact, and you just put up walls to avoid it, fuck you. Right. 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 You right. know, yeah. like you could like, like I've learned something from every single encounter, whether it be good or bad. You know how people treat people yeah. or treat you, and I think at that point you get to a point where you can't blame people anymore. I mean, I always said after the age of twenty five, you can't blame your parents for shit anymore. <laughs> And I'm, I'm sure you, you've, you've met people that are older yeah. that are still, you're like, dude, you're too old to blame your mom. You got kids of your own. That's wild. Right, right. But, but I mean, it's just like, I just believe man, every exchange, every exchange is an opportunity to impact somebody and make things bigger than yourself and all that stuff. And it's like, anytime somebody seems like they're going to be negative around me, the conversation kind of gets short from my end, you know, where I let them kind of get the steam off. And then let's get back into the positive lane. And right now I got a thing that I'm talking about right now where it's like the wolf's business and the sheep's business. Which lane am I in? Okay, when you look at a sheep's life, like what do they really do? What does it do? You know, it grazes, you know, it rests. And and shit. It's like, man, okay, what, what does it bring? What does it do? Wool, meat, milk, okay. All right, it has its business. And then you look at the other side of, this wolf, like, what is his business? I mean, what is he concerned about? Eating you know what sheep. I mean? He will only be concerned about the sheep if it's time to eat. So that's why I don't care about social media or what somebody's got to say. When I can concerned about that, when it's time to eat. So it's like, if it's not time to eat, I'm in my lane. Why? Because I just don't want to take that sheep's business into the wolf's lane. And now I'm upset about some 12-year-old that said something on social media. 
or somebody in whatever country that can't speak English that didn't translate it right. Mm. And now I'm upset. Well, I mean, how can you really take, uh, and, and this, this is something I, I think about this often, uh, how can you take to heart somebody that doesn't really know you? Like if somebody who knows me who's a friend, like if they take a shot on me or if like they reach out or say something, like I'll take that personally mm -hmm. or like, hey man, maybe I need an adjustment. But people that have never met you, never uh, uh, like heard you speak like nothing and just they they see something hilarious. flash up in the algorithm and they want to fucking engage on it's it and I'm hilarious. like I was like dude I I one I owe you nothing <laughs> and two uh, like the emotional energy or mental energy that I put into doing this is a fucking waste it's a but it's, it's different for you because right now it's like you know this podcast I mean it's business it's like you know so it's like there has to be some of that so you feel you get that different because it's business so when somebody's doing that it's like yo hold up now you know but it's like I think because I'm not really a social media guy, and I can say Well, that. dude, you started a social media, and it's hilarious because it's one of your coaches filming you, which I love because, uh, dude, you're up there pontificating and doing what Cass does, and it was cool for me to kind of uh, go in, and then I was trying to hit you up on it, and I know it was probably some the one of your assistants. The funny thing is, like, I mean, that's the deal. I have, you know, I haven't posted a video. No, no. And then, like, my, my brother would text me and be like, I like that. Like, word what? <laughs> what are you I know, I, yeah, I, yeah. dude. I know it's and one of your guys. Like, you know, my son is upset with me about my social media game. For he's he's livid. He's real pissed off. He's like, you know, you got to control the narrative. You've got to create it. This is a business. This is a resume. This is a profile. You know, it's it's a portfolio, and you're lacking that. He's like, in all this stuff that you consider wisdom, that's the one thing that you're lacking. I'm like, but I got you though, mm -hmm. and I'm not lacking it if I got you, and this is your concern. So yeah. guess what? Run it then. And yeah. so he's doing that. He's take the, he'll take the images and take the footage and say, this is what I'm going to do with it. So he basically, that's the marketing guy for me. Mm -hmm. And he does it. My daughter does it. You know, they're like, hey, someone said something negative. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, Just keep going. Smart. It's yeah. smart. Well, while we're on the subject of mentorship, I want to go back to your first head coaching opportunity. And when did you realize the the value that you had coaching your coaches and mentoring your coaches, not only your athlete? Like, when did that weight hit you? Oh, man. You know, I'm going to tell you like this. Um, I'm in South Florida, and you get the offer to go to Waco, and the guy that's with me is Chris Roof. He was an assistant in South Florida with me. And he deserves a bunch of the credit because he says, I heard you just got the offer in Waco. This is what we're going to do. I'm going to come with you. What I'm going to do is bring another guy that fits our personalities that you're going to like. We'll come with you. You do what you do that got you this opportunity. So you don't get stuck out of your lane trying to do some things that don't really uh, highlight what you're doing. So when he says that, I had already interacted with him on the, on the platform. Every single day we were, we were training and, come, and lifting. But guess what? The whole time he was coaching me up. And I knew he was coaching me up because I had to get certified. So he would always say, the, the bar's got to lift from the middle of the shoe. Get the knuckles down. Get those elbows twisted out. Keep your chin neutral. You know, you're pulling with your upper body. Use your entire body. Use your legs. And, I mean, he coached me up for a whole eight months. And we, we, got, we bonded. But it was always on the platform. So I trusted him. So when he said that, I'm like, all right, bet. You got it. Yeah, let's run it. Again, he ran that thing. And then, so what I learned really was really kind of like, Almost the art of delegation and, and hiring the right people and then really hiring to your weaknesses. 
So it was like, okay, how good are you at kinesiology? How good are you at, at just some of the things when it comes to training that are going to really take you to the next step? He was better than me. So it was like, okay, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to rely on your wisdom when it comes to this, and I'm going to steal everything you got. McKeefrey, I'm going to steal everything you got. Pat Ivey, I'm going to steal everything you got. Brian Mann, I stole everything Brian Mann has. Coach, it's like Josh Stone, I'm going to steal everything you got. So then all of a sudden you find yourself at a place where somebody offers the goon a chance to be a director, and now the Hawk is flying the plane for the Avengers. It's like that's not what's supposed to be happening. You know what I mean? Like you were supposed to be this guy that's supposed to be like, ah, all, you know, in the player's face. All of a sudden you're in charge. The way you think just changes. Now you're like delegation, ownership, give this a piece to these guys, take in input, take criticism from these guys, don't get offended or they'll shut off, create like an environment where ideas are welcome and individuality is welcome, kind of go from there. The next day, start new. You know, it was just like a big learning deal. Big. Yeah. And then, I mean, any big moments where they gave you that feedback and just those tough pills to swallow when you realize every day those guys were jerks. <laughs> Cause they were, you know, I mean, Ruth's an asshole. Those guys were jerks. But let me tell you this: this was crazy. That's where it takes me back to the whole leadership comment. I felt as though I here goes that word again. I felt that my time being around these apex predators taught me a lot about leadership. Because how did they respond when they got criticized? How did they respond when they got coached? You know what I mean? So it was like, don't not respond right. Don't create an environment where, you know, your ego makes it hard for people to interact with you. So it was like, it all goes back to that true leadership that been in the fire leadership, that been around real leadership. So it was like, okay, this is permitted because this criticism is coming from a positive place because we all want the same thing for the kids. Mm -hmm. So being around, who's the D coordinator my rookie year? Bud, he had one with the Chicago Bears in an 85 defense. And it was like, when Bud Carson criticized you, I mean, that was tough. He didn't say your name. He called you by your number. He called you by your number the whole time. And if he was going to talk in a meeting, he didn't yell. He just said it like it was a fact. I don't know if this guy can play at this level. He's given up leverage too much. I think this is the second time he's given up leverage. Don't get out leveraged by the back. This is the second time I've seen him in chase mode. Doesn't look like a big deal, but this six-inch window is going to get us a first down or a touchdown. I don't know. And then he just kind of said it as a fact and moved on. And you took it like, okay, boom, this can't happen again. And I think that level of criticism and being able to take it as a, a coaching and all that stuff helps you become a better leader. I think about like thick skin, you know, and like right. the idea and like, I mean, shit, you've been yelled at. We've been motherfucked. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if like, um, you know, the idea of having thick skin and really not taking things personally, even though you do take them personally. I always hear people all the time, I take nothing personally. I'm like, no, you just do. You just fucking hide it better it, it than makes other people. You, it makes you different. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. like I've had some shit said to me that was a singer to my heart, and I'm like, I will never show anybody any yeah. fucking No, weakness. you take it different. Yeah, It becomes and, uh, a weapon, an emotional ammunition. Yeah, I mean, because uh, one, I never wanted anybody to think that I'm rattled. Right. That's a big thing. Right. Um, but again, you kind of, they, they call it thick skin or this, but unfortunately, the only way that happens is by putting yourself in the crucible and putting yourself out there. And I think what happens all too often is people never get a chance to put themselves out there. You know, uh, I'm reading a book and I, I, I hate that I forgot the author's name, but it's called Rethink. And so, you know, for a long time, friends of mine that I've been talking about is like everything I know I was taught by someone. And when I sit and meditate on that, I feel like a sense of like I've been ripped off. Ripped off like 
how come I didn't get a chance to create my own idea? You know? So it's like Well, we stand on the shoulders of giants. Yeah, but this is the deal. Every personal philosophy I have, someone said, This is what your good religion's gonna be, right? This is what you know, the seven liberal arts are going to be. This is what math, you're going to sit math, you're going to learn this, you're going to learn that, da, da, da. And then you're going to sit in this class, you're going to learn this, you're going to learn that. Even your parents, you're going to sit here, you're going to learn this, you're going to learn that. And pretty soon, your formative years are all taken up with people telling you what you're going to learn, right? Almost no space for you to create yourself. Well, they're not teaching you to think. They're just basically implanting information in you. They're right. they're depositing. I, I always figured that you had to... Get enough information deposited into you and to prove that you knew it well enough to be able to go to college where they actually they teach you to think. And then it was like at, at the point that I'm at now, personally, is like take that information, toss it out the window. If I could change my wardrobe, I can change my mind. If I can change my car, I can change my mind. This old philosophy that I'm stuck with, why am I not able to change that? You There's are, all this change going you're a renaissance right. man. I mean, shouldn't shouldn't you be able to learn something new? Right. And more importantly, like when new information comes in, this is the shit I hate about politics. All of a sudden they'll go back and, you know, a guy will say something, they go back and say, you know, hey, they show something that he said ten years ago. Right. And I'm like, so what you're saying is that in ten years with the with the information that he's learned without that, he can't change his position. Like literally. And, and somehow that, yeah. they fucking land base. Oh, he said this ten years ago. I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of shit I said ten years ago, I don't believe today. Right. I mean, they just didn't happen to chronicle it. Well, we got a podcast now, so now I'm, I have somebody out there. But I, I think as you grow and you evolve, what that's showing is a growth mindset. If I'm still saying the same shit 10 years later, I haven't fucking grown. I haven't evolved. And, and more importantly, like, fuck me. I mean, I'm telling you, like, I really think once you take a step and you're like, okay, it's just not about us. It's not about me. And you're like, what What am I doing here? What is my... What what position do I play here? How can I help the environment? You know, you have all these animals on the planet. You have the planet itself is one big animal. And you're like, they don't have the ability to say, uh, you know, to, to rationalize themselves and think about all this stuff. So this ability that we get to do that, I mean, that's freaking crazy. Use that. It's like, okay, now from that, just start thinking and thinking, boom, throw everything away. Throw everything away. Don't sit there and cling to someone something that basically restricts the opportunities to learn something new and to see a different angle of something. See as many different angles as possible. Have as many different conversations as possible. Be wrong as many times as possible. Get all that ammunition and then go, okay, now I can intentionally use all this information over here and then go do that. You know, but have conversations with people that say amazing things and, and, and think completely different than you. You know, then come back. Find out why they think like that. No, go from there. But, I mean, personally, I'm like, everything I'm, I've learned, right or wrong, I don't know what right or wrong even means. I just learned it. Yeah, we've been very fortunate to travel the world and teach strength and conditioning. Yeah. So coach yeah. coaches on how to coach people to lift weights and run fast. And often it amazed me, and I know you faced this as well, when somebody would push back against us. So we've traveled the world. John's played 10 years in the NFL, trained and coached the best athletes at all different levels. And then we have a person that has a 150-member gym, and that's small experience and is not open to learn. Well, we, uh, I mean, we've said it for years. People fail to march into their experience. And the only way that you're going to push that failure out is by to extend your margin so far 
that the, the fucking end becomes the horizon. And I think by having intellectual conversations and with smart people like yourself doing this podcast and trying to expand my own horizons, what I've effectively done is created that margin as being so deep that now you know failure doesn't become an option. And you can sit and have a conversation with anybody, just about anything, and be able to speak intelligently and have the ability to be a, a teacher and a student. Like if somebody has, and I, that, that's a really interesting thing that we've struggled, that I think a lot of people struggle with where like you get to a certain position where now you're always kind of teaching and presenting. Shit, I love to be the student. If Man. somebody has better ideas or I can learn something and I can sit back and just reap and listen to it, I love it. Yeah. Teach me, fill me, like uh, empty your cup, right? I'll tell you like this, once I, like people like that, when you, that's a great question about, you know, a, a, a situation where somebody with a smaller gym, it's not about the gym then. This person is trying to tell you how much effort they put into creating this gym and they created this, this protective, you know, emotional thing and they don't know that they do it. Like everything that comes to the gym, you're not talking about the gym, they feel like you're talking about them. And they're like, man, I had to put up my house to open this gym. I lost my family over this gym, whatever it is. I think the difference is, is uh, people get mar uh, married to an ideology. Oh, yeah. Right? Whereas uh, my ideology is performance. Like I've always said, dude, like, uh, like I just want to be a performance whore. Like I just like if your goal is performance and how to increase, whether it be emotional, physical, mental, mm -hmm. whatever it is, if performance is like the trajectory you're going for, you're going to be able to search for anything that allows you to perform at a higher level. Yeah. So all of a sudden, you know, God, well, I don't squat like that. I squat like this and this. And it's like, well, do you want to perform better? Right. Because what you're talking about is dogma. You're talking about, hey, my toes have to be anywhere from you know 30 degrees turned out. And I'm like, well, I know with a more vertical toe, I can get my big toe in the ground right, right, right. and I can actually get a, a more efficient right, position right. so that now I can reduce force better and reduce injury. Okay, so why don't you try it my way? No, no, we don't do it that way. I'm like, why are you so fucking married to ideology? <laughs> to me, man, all static is a, if I don't know you, I'll take the static as like you're mirroring what you think I am. I've walked in the room, I'm bald headed, you think I'm brolic, it looks like, ah, uh, whatever. So you're trying to mirror what you think I am. This is a guy that's played a bunch of years in the league, so I better be a stand-up guy when I'm talking to him. So whatever I believe in, I don't want to sit there and wave back and forth because he wouldn't do that. Or they think he wouldn't do that. They don't see a very pliable, flexible individual. They don't see somebody that's very much into, you know, being, being like water. So now that they don't see that, they mirror what they think that they're seeing. And so that's what always be my thing. If I'm speaking to somebody or if I'm having an exchange with somebody and the temperature changes or if I can't get along with somebody, it's not them. It's what they think I'm giving them. And so I'm like, all right, I got you. You know, I don't even know how I can soften it. I don't know what I can do to make you feel more comfortable with me. Because no matter what I would say, no matter how I say it, you are going to sturdy up. No matter what, even if you if I tell you, OK, you're right. Is this a confidence issue? I just think that you go back to that thing again, being in the room with a bunch of apex guys. It does something to you because you mirror those guys. You take a piece of those guys and all the experiences that they put you through. And then now you're talking to someone that hasn't been in those situations yeah. and they can see it in the lens of your eyes. And they're like, and now they got it. They got it. Yeah, they got it tough. Oh, they have to. Even if they don't want to, they have to. And then if they don't, they'll tell you, oh, man, I was a little uh, nervous about meeting you. What? Why? Why? Is it nervous because what I was going to take your money? What do you mean? We were only, I mean, we're talking about facilities and stuff. Why would you be nervous? You know what I mean? So it's just basically we do a podcast, we do something on video. Somebody takes it and goes, man, you were so intense. But why would you be nervous about me? I'm not going to do nothing crazy. 
Uh, I never thought, well, I mean, I never thought of you as intense. I just thought that you were well-intentioned and more importantly, had a clear mind. Yeah. But again, like if, I mean, but sometimes when guys. you have a clear mind and you're well-intentioned, people take that as like, oh, this guy's intense. He's fucking a 10. You're like, no, no, no. I know exactly what I want. And I'm really good about explaining exactly what I'm looking for. But if you know you and you're standing next to you, it's in the eyes, Chico. <laughs> you know what I mean? His eyes, they do, they do different things. Like he's been there and he's looking and you just see a whole bunch of stuff from that time in the league in his eyes. And so it's like, okay, those interactions with, with someone that doesn't have those qualities aren't going to go well. You know what I mean? Even if they agree, they're just saying it just because they can't take the Well, the I mean, but, but you know, too, you got to soften stuff too. Like, I mean, I, you know, we always, like we said, people fail to margin their experience. So if somebody doesn't have the same experience, like that's why, uh, you know, whenever, you know, like uh, I met you, I always ask like, you know, like, tell me about yourself. Like, how'd you grow up in this? And like, you know, we get into the whole like history. Cause yeah. at the end of the day, like, you know, the way you grew up is a little different than the way I grew up. I mean, I grew up as a white middle-class kid from Southern California. You grew up in but like, made really it edgy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and, and went to Berkeley. I mean, your story is, uh, you know, could not be more different, but yet there are certain commonalities and truths within mm -hmm. it. And at the end of the day, like, uh, you know, I don't necessarily care where somebody's from any of other stuff. It's like, you know, judge yourself by the quality of your character, yeah. the quality of what you do. Do you say what you're going to do? And are you yeah. the person who's dependable? And are you a good person? Right, right. And more importantly, do people that I respect talk with you with reverence? And they do. Yeah, and I think like that to me is um, like whenever somebody I respect speaks very highly of somebody, that's yeah, huge for me. Yeah, yeah. Be, you know, like yeah. we just had Ron McKeefrey on and he couldn't say enough good about you. And I was like, fuck Kaz. <laughs> and uh, he, he just laughed because he knows that we're friends. And I was like, you know, uh, I've always been, you know, I have, you know, we've always, I've always been a fan of it. And, um, but I think like when people you respect speak highly of you, I mean, that's the greatest compliment. Man, it's just so crazy. I mean, like it's, it's like a, you, the, the skin on your body and the human part of you takes that and says, man, that's great. But then the soul of you and like the, 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 the real man inside of you is like, man, you know, don't, don't let that eat, don't feed that ego. You know, does that make sense? So it's like, you're always like, man, don't make it about you. Don't take this and then now that's what you're trying to get from people. You know, if John's giving you a compliment, that's coming from the soul inside him. Accept that in the most humblest way. You know what I mean? Like, don't make it a deal where you're trying to impress people. Like, people ask me to present. You're not going to like my presentation. You're not. Because it's not about me. My presentation is not about me. My presentation is going to be about what we have to do for these young people. So you're going to miss it. You're going to miss what we're saying because you're looking for entertainment. <laughs> That's that's no, I mean, we we were listening, uh, we were driving up, we were listening to a podcast, and he, the guy was mentioning gratitude oh, and how they've done a, a like, like a ton of research on gratitude and like the fact that you've been able to like reach out and like you know compliment people, uh, you know, not necessarily for yourself, but like what it does for others. And I think is, um, you know, just because we didn't grow up that way, like I can't even like it's so interesting now having my own kids and realizing like all the kind of the holes in my own grow like the you know like growing up like uh you know like uh hugs for example oh man like i didn't get yeah. a lot of hugs yeah yeah like i mean from anybody so like i made first sure. thing we did today was hug i know yeah it's great and uh and uh I'm like I like like Jim Wendler. I'm a hugger now. And so because of it, like with my own kids, like um like I wake up every morning and give them hugs. I yeah, give them as many yeah, hugs yeah, as they yeah, can. Yeah. I tell them all the time, like you gotta give a hundred hugs a day. Yeah, wow. And I and I hug my friends yeah, yeah, because big, it was man. something 
that I didn't get as a kid. Yeah. And I realized it makes people feel so much better, yeah. especially, you know, people you know or you haven't seen where you give them a hug and you're like, dude, this is what we do now. That's this my is daughter, who we are. Man. My daughter taught me about that. She's like, I know you're going to try to let go. We're going to hug. I'm just like, God. and just hold for a second. Yeah, like it, it's it's the craziest thing. Uh, have like, um, but all this stuff didn't come to light until I had my own kids. Yeah, yeah. and then once I had my own kids, I re you start realizing because yeah. you're like, you know, the only framework you have to work on is the one you were raised, yeah. and you're thinking, man, I bet you that wasn't the best way to raise. It's awesome because the daughters will do that for you now. I'm telling you. They do it for you. That, Dude, that's what you need. Uh, my daughter's sense of humor, because I didn't grow up around girls. I had always always brothers. And uh, I laugh daily. Their sense of humor is so funny and Witty, so different. Sharp, man. Yeah. Like <laughs> like I had like a, uh, one of the uh, little boys, or not little, my daughters are almost 11. Um, one of the boys that go to school came over to like, you know, fucking jump in the pool and whatever. And I was, it was pretty interesting seeing his interaction. Cause we went, uh, I, I barbecued and like made steaks and now we were like hanging out. I was talking to the kid. Like my daughter is like seven light years of where ahead of this, like dipshit 10 year old right, boy. Right. As I'm sitting here, like she's having a conversation, this whole thing. And I'm like, Holy shit. Like I had like not seen this and being like, Oh my God, we were morons when we were this age. These girls are so sharp. Yeah. This is oh, unbelievable. Absolutely. And that's, what's funny. Like, if you take a look at what we consider intelligence and what we consider like just ah, even in the wheel of knowledge, the way the cell phone has, has changed things for young people mm -hmm. and what you consider information and how, how like to use it versus find your way home without the cell phone. Yeah. You know what I mean? The same thing that those yeah. guys were doing before we were doing it with cars and bikes where they, you know, you get stuck in the woods, you know, shit, this is what you eat. This is how you make your own place. This is how you go find something to eat. This is how you kill a rabbit. Da, da, da. It's like, that's how I feel when you take a young person's cell phone away from them. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like they are so much different than we are and how they, what they consider being smart. It's all based on this information that they can get quickly. You remove it, all of a sudden they can't create their own. Well, uh, it, it's because they have the world in the palm of their hand. Like, right. um, so uh, our house faces north and south and where the gym is in our building and everything faces uh, north and south. And we go out the window, I can see where the sun rises. Yeah. And like um, every morning I get up, uh, we go to the gym, I put the door up and I see the sun come up. Yeah. And just mentally I track where we are because I know like in the summer it's way over here and the winter <laughs> it's way over here and I know. Yeah. And so I was trying to talk to my daughters about like the summer solstice and the equinox Look at and, you. and explaining it to yeah. them like, hey, this is the longest day of the year, this is going to be the shortest. Yeah. And then the, you know, uh, the equinoxes are actually the even day. Mm -hmm. and so like kind of going through and yeah. laying it out and my daughters are looking at me and i'm like trying to explain it to them so like five minutes later i come back and uh my basically they had googled it on their phones <laughs> and so now they're like going pictures and going through it and uh they were it, it was it was hilarious yeah. because uh i was trying to have this moment and i've done this on numerous <laughs> occasions they just pulled it up and they're like oh why don't you just show us these pictures yeah. it's so much simple yeah. I'm like because yeah. this is how people used information <laughs> and uh, i tried to give them I'm like you know seven thousand years ago in uh, gobateki you know like or you know they these different like you know primitive you know what we call primitive but the civilizations were right. far more advanced than we right, are they're like oh right. these people didn't have the wheel on them like, right, right. so what you're telling me is they got like 30 ton bold or a uh, cut perfect stones uphill and they didn't have a wheel they, they had something better you know don't get um, me started <laughs> oh right so like uh and i'm like think about this so i can to connect you to the uh like like the string of humanity across time think about the very first person that stood upright looked up and saw the sun come up and then saw it go down your ability to see the sun come up connects you to every other 
everything everything that has ever had a heartbeat lived that actually had the awareness to look and see the sun come up and to notice where they've set because this has happened over the course of eternity i mean the vikings celebrated the midsummer they celebrated the winter i mean like every culture has had some form of celebration associated with equinox and soul and and the the solstice right and like this is like the longest day the the shortest common thing yeah and i was like this is connected every civilization from the egyptians uh to the sumerians and you go back and I mean, look, the people that right. created time right. and trying to give them this historical deal. I'm like, your um, like your ability to see where the sun comes up and connect to that. And they were just like shook their heads and they were like, oh, like they're out of here. What the fuck are you talking about? The, why, why are you watching sunrises? The first lady of the Kardashians doing, I don't know what you're talking about. Why, <laughs> why? I mean, and to me, like when you're talking like that, that's something I do every day yeah. is take time to just turn my eyes up and let them burn looking at the sun. Yeah. Thinking that's the one thing everything on this planet revolves around. That's the one thing everybody needs. That's the one thing everyone's seen. Even if you can't see, you can feel it. I'm like, okay, that's a big deal. Yeah. You know? Feel it, especially here. Uh, Oh, yeah. Hello. (laughs) Yeah. I Welcome mean, in the frying pan, man. Yeah. Oh, it's uh, the but yeah, <laughs> uh, like I mean, and and what's what's wild is uh, the uh, summer solstice. I think it's July twenty first was the longest day of the year, so it's all the way here. And then as I can see the sunrise moving this way, I know it's going to get cooler. And all of a sudden, when it's over here, it's going to be cold. And thank God, Texas will be bearable. Yeah, oh, yeah, I'm <laughs> telling you, man, this place. I'm just, I, I, I love the state, man. I love being in Texas, man. I love this area. You know, love the interaction with the people. I just feel like a dollar is a dollar here. Where did where'd you grow up? Uh, it's a long story. No, I, 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 I know where you grew I mean, up, but like, I was, did, did did you go to school in Texas? No, I didn't go to school in Texas. I went to school. College was in Oklahoma. That's right, Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah, that's, so, right, that's right. But that's at right. the same time, I had so many friends. Which is kind of like real North Texas. Yeah, I had so many friends from Texas that I knew I was going to yeah. end up here. Like, all they talked about was Texas. And then, you know, I get in the car with them, and we drive over to Dallas, and I just kind of flew around, and we drive to Houston, and I'm like, okay, yeah. You know what I mean? I dig it. I, I was looking for the for the for the cowboy hats, and then it was like, oh, so now everybody is you know Jr. Ewing, so okay. But I just you know the energy I feel here, you know, just it just feels like a home. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just something that I really hold close. You know? <laughs> now, with all this stuff going on, no California in my Texas. Oh, <laughs> don't get me don't get me started. <laughs> Because uh, it's uh, I and I I'd say it all the time like you fucking t- these damn California people messing up our Texas. <laughs> I remember uh, my old neighbor said uh, like you know he's like you know uh, when you move to Texas you can either become you know like live in Texas and enjoy Texas for what it is or you can try to recreate somewhere else in in, in Texas. But the problem is if you try to do that, everybody from Texas is going to hate you. He's like, <laughs> yeah. he's like so so embrace the Texas culture, um, you know, and uh, and and like feel like you're a part of it. And yeah, Oh, really in every house. Mm-hmm. I love it, man. I love it. That's some pride, man. Yeah. I mean, I've never lived anywhere that had so much pride. I got, but I learned so much about housing. I learned so much about just real estate being in the state. Like, uh, shoot, three, four jobs ago, like those guys taught me really this is how when you look for a property, this is, you know, acreage and, 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 you know, you want space. And those dudes knew, they knew real estate. And so it, it was like somewhere where I really learned about that. I just don't think I've learned that much about real estate in some of the other places that I've been. Hmm. No. It just yeah. like land out here is just a big do, deal. Do you got a uh, decent size of property? No, just I mean, it's a good house. You know, it's a good house. But it was like those guys taught you about like just 
looking at land and not just looking at the house and looking for the future to build out and create like kind of like an oasis or somewhere to kind of get away from. Mm -hmm. And that's what I learned from some of the guys that I've just been around. You know, and I, I was like so appreciative of that that time and that knowledge from him. Yeah, John helped me with that when I was going through that process. Yeah, yeah it's, just, it's crazy. Well, yeah, well, yeah. Uh, uh, the one thing they're not making anymore of is land. <laughs> And you know, like, uh, yeah. like I remember, we went and looked at one house for Chris, and then we uh, there was a house that was a little more expensive, but it was on like double the yeah. property. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, believe me, the only thing you can't go back and rebuy is more. I mean, yeah. it's, it's crazy more land. And you, you can yeah. add on to a house, you can fix a bathroom, but unfortunately, you got two acres too, which is pretty nice. Which is exactly the conversation I was having. They were like, look at this, you know, you got a couple acres, da, 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 and that's what you want to hear. And it's like, okay, you know, now it's like not information. I hope I can pass that on too, you know. So again, not everything is about me, you, whatever. It's that information, exchanging it and helping somebody else. Well, and, you've uh, been uh, pretty lucky. I mean, the fact that you've gotten two jobs in this area, you haven't had to move, whereas most coaches almost fucking I will nomadic. say, I feel like I've been pretty intentional. Huh? You know? And the whole thing about luck is like if every decision and every interaction is a big deal to you and you try to be present, for every single one, I think the universe will always conspire for you. It's always going to do it. It never fails that. Make your Not in look. my personal life. And that's the deal. It's going to sound cliche, but I've never, ever in my life had a bad day. Ever. Ever. I've never had a bad day. Things have played out just like they do in theater. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, and then... They play out, and then once you realize it's not about you, you're like, oh, okay, so things go on. Now the character in this movie that I'm watching, which is me in the movie, I'm watching myself. It's like, okay, you just keep doing this and keep doing that. Have you ever lost a football game or lost something but appreciated the loss? You know what I'm saying? Learn from it. Like, I'll give you an example. One time I'm sitting there working, and our team – Things are playing out, and I'm watching it, and while I'm watching it, I gained this tremendous respect for this opponent. I gained this tremendous respect for this opponent, and I felt privileged to watch them do that firsthand. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wow. Take notes down. I took so many notes off of one of these games. I got notebooks and notebooks off of like, okay, when you're talking to the team and you're working with the team, make sure they do this. Make sure they do that. Uh, put them in a scenario where, where the whole day is going to be bad. Watch what they do. Put them in a scenario where the whole week's going to be bad. Stop trying to be friends. Uh, make sure they're I mean, I took so many notes from the education an opponent gave. And then it was just like I wasn't at the game. Do, I, do we want to win? I mean, that's so, you know, it's basic. Absolutely. But at the same time, to learn and to say, okay, how can I apply this information that I just got? Man, that was one of the, uh, a, a big moment when I was able to watch back. And then even like times where you make an NFL team or you get cut, if you can remove yourself from that so human eye and the feeling that you're having and say, okay, don't be a prisoner to the feeling. Don't be a prisoner to the skin, bag of skin. And enjoy this movie that's playing and the role that this character is playing. This character's got to bounce back now. Mm. Okay, what's this character going to do now? Man, I, I should have called you when uh, I got hurt and ended up, uh, you know, leaving the Patriots. And that was kind of the end of it for me. Because, but what uh, was it that took, character is it, like such an action me, hero. It took me, and I'm not kidding you, it took me probably five years to be able to watch football again. And it probably took me about 10 years to be okay with it. And I'm still not okay but with it. But you, can you imagine that character? Because it's in his eyes. 
So it's like in every single great movie, it's like the character in his eyes, he's experienced something and he's bouncing back, but he keeps a little edge about it. You know what I'm saying? But that's that edge is what makes him the guy special. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter where his parents are from. It doesn't matter where he grew up. It's that edge, that thing he picked up. It's what makes him special. He doesn't let it go. So then he starts a pocket. He does whatever. But it's like he's always competing against that past yeah, ghost. Well, because- uh, That's how I got here. It's fucking addictive. Like uh, people always talk about like, I, I you know, like uh, I enjoy having a drink. Like if we're going to sit around and drink beers yeah. or whatever. But if I never got to drink alcohol again, like that really wouldn't fucking right, skin right. me. Uh, I like to drink coffee. You know, that would be kind of bummed. But like, so like I have like zero addiction in my personality. But mm-hmm. the addiction of being able to run out that tunnel and go out. And like, I never even heard the crowd. Mm-hmm. It was actually going out there, getting in the fight and doing that. And yeah. knowing exactly how good or bad you are every Sunday. And then being able to train the entire year, sharpen the blade and go out there. And you got to have these like real moments with yourself where somebody takes you and takes something from you and you got to come yeah. back in this like resiliency and this fight and yeah. three and out and here and punt and here and your fucking 18 play drive, 168 degrees on the yeah, field, yeah. you know, playing the hottest game in NFL yeah. history. All of those things, you know, going out for pregame and uh, fucking giving myself a concussion because I'm so wound up with Eric Hicks' hard head. I mean, <laughs> all of those things. Like, um, uh, that, that was my addiction. And like, the problem was, is, uh, at the time I knew it, but I didn't really embrace it because I was so nervous that it would be taken from me and I'd be so sad. And so like, you almost like in this weird, uh, I can see it and I know it. Like it's almost like looking out the window of a party where I can see the party going on. I can feel the warmth. I can hear the music, but I'm afraid to go in there and sit down because what if they don't want me at the party? <laughs> Man. And, uh, <laughs> and and then all of a sudden it ends and you realize like, holy shit, man, uh, I didn't go in there, but I'm still fucking hurt about it. And it's still sad. When you watch Hagler and Hearns, you know, when you watch, you know, Hagler and, 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 and Leonard, when you watch the first Roberto Duran versus Leonard. Yeah. It's like these dudes are really trying to take each other's soul from each other. But within every punch, there's this respect for what you're making me do, how you're making me better. That's what I loved. Yeah. I loved that. And I knew I was going to take that with me forever. Even after this skin suit dies, I'm still going to have that exchange, those competitions with this elite individual that's trying to take from me and I'm trying to take from him. And then it was like that. So when we got done and we moved on, I'm like, where can we get that? You can't get that. No. You can't get that. And, but you can help somebody give like you and can give that information. They can go get there's it. There's no and you can way. Be there's no way. Uh like you can't talk your way into it. You can't fraud your way. You can't buy your way into it. It's like uh, there's no way for anybody to like gift it to you. Mm-hmm. And that's what I tell people. I'm like, it, like for me and like wh- whether it's like you step in the boxing ring, you're in the octagon, whether it be on the field or whatever it is, like you only earn that opportunity because of what you've done and the simplicity and the, uh, like just the, uh, the innocence and just the, you know, the white of it, uh, you know, like, you know, it's just so simple that you know, that's the addiction because there is nothing, you know, like, you know, like think, think about with like social media or, or even in business or this, like somebody doesn't like you don't get the job. It's, it's never about, you know, there's always all yeah. of these fucking things that are con- conspiring against right. you in that moment. I'm going to tell you right now, the most serious day I've had besides like the birth of my kids and my marriage was getting drafted. Like that was the most, like, I'm not laughing. This isn't funny. Don't congratulate me. It's on. Yeah. That was that. 
That was that. It was like, hey, man, you made it. Made it to what? Combat? What did you mean you made it? You didn't make nothing. You got to go out there now. That it's on. What it is, is it's on now. No, now you know you what they did? They handed you an invite. I mean, because that's what happened. I got drafted. They handed you an invite. Yeah. yeah. And, and, yeah. <laughs> and now you got to show up as Van Damme. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's true. And, and you get there yeah. and you're like, fuck. Like, it's, it's, yeah. And people that don't know are like, congratulations. Oh, man, I heard you played in the league. Played in the league? Dog, you don't understand. That, that, was, that was 16 games. I didn't just play in the league. Just talking, I practiced in the league. Like, yeah. that's different. And, you know, they brought people in that they were interviewing to take your job in the league. Oh, that happened You would be times. working and there's a guy here two inches taller than you, arms are longer, limbs are longer, and he looks a couple steps faster. And you would see him. That's what happened. <laughs> yeah. And it's, uh, I mean, that's the reason the NFL stands for not for long. Yeah. And, uh, but like, that's the, the simplicity I think that everybody f- hopes for. And, you know, like, uh, you know, you realize, and it's taken me many years to realize that that was the small amount of time I had to do it. And that was what I was gifted. Man, and, Jay. And yeah. then any moment after that, you know, I mean, you know, but then you find it different ways. Like I got married, I have kids. I mean, we started a business, we mm-hmm. do power out there, we do all these other things. But like, there's always this little bit of like something in the back of your head where you're like, God damn it, I miss doing that job. <laughs> but I'll tell you, it was funny. Cause I remember my, my, at the time, my girlfriend, who's my wife now, you know, she was like, you should be happy. And I mean, I still didn't talk. I didn't say anything. I just remember kind of looking at her. And she just was like quiet, looking around, like, what's happening right now? Like, she was literally like, what's happening? And I'm like, right. Walk around outside, smell new air. Like, the air smelled different. Right. I'm like, tomorrow I run. Tomorrow I'm going to do this thing, and then we'll go there. And then it's like, okay, now you start rolling. And it was, I feel like that to me was the making of everything else. Because, yeah, the end of the not for long thing, but at the same time, it's forever. Yeah. You know, and they trick you to thinking it's not for long. It's forever. Yeah. You're never going to say that there wasn't a little bit of a thing that you accomplished. Yeah. No one can take that from you. Now it's like, what did you learn from it? You didn't lose anything. Time, time is time. Time is undefeated. But now it's like, okay, what did I learn? Now that I learned this, what can I help apply? How can I give this experience to this youth? Here's this experience. Understand, take it, you know? And if you need any help, man, double back around. You're just that old warrior that's learned the Wu-Tang, <laughs> that's trying to teach the Wu-Tang. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's like, okay, this is what you do. And that's what, it, to me, I mean, some of the most sacred moments. You know, uh, um, I've told Texas story, but, uh, um, when I first got drafted, Philadelphia Eagles, I remember we were stretching, and uh, Tom Modrak, who was our GM at the time, uh, he had come over from Pittsburgh, and he walked over and he kind of squatted down as I was stretching, and he was like, "Hey, I just wanted to let you know that at any draft pick or anybody here, you were the guy I went on the line for. So if you do well, I'll do well. Our uh, fates are married." And I was like, "Okay, you know, I'm like, you know, rookie. This is like my first deal. You know, where it, uh, like I want to say it was a, it was at mini camp on like the second or third day." Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm carrying I'm basically carrying the GM's bags, right? Yeah, I'm a guy. And uh and then I kind of looked up and he's like and I also want you to remember something. He's like remember this is a violent game played by violent individuals who get paid a lot of money to do violence on behalf of all rich white men. Never fucking forget that. And he's like when you get into all this bullshit and you think that you no, just remember you get paid to do violence. 
And uh, and and then he got up and uh, he was fucking he was dead right. And you know what? Like that was real good for me because all of a sudden. Um, I, I remember I talked to one of the older guys, Lonnie Paulet, um, and Lonnie was like, he's like, that's good. He's like, man, what they did is they, they, uh, addressed you and treated you well. And more importantly, they're treating you with respect by explaining that he's like, watch it. All the other fucking spineless motherfuckers that don't do that shit. Because you interpreted it. Uh, this is a positive me. I'm like, football is a collision deal. So it's like, okay, is it violent? It's violent because of the collision the impact, and the impact, but it's also artistry. Like, by the time I saw you, by the time I knew you, the violence would come if you were playing someone that wasn't technically sound and caught themselves off balance, you would finish them violently. Yeah. But before all that, there was the dance, there was footwork, there was the grace of hand placement, there was the alignment assignment, the what's the down and distance, what's the situation, who am I working with? What are the strengths and weaknesses of what I'm getting myself into? And an instantaneous clearing and moving on to the next play. So it's like to the uneducated, to the uninitiated, it's like, oh, this is this is what it is. This is a martial art. Yeah. And you were a martial artist because you were on the front line hand to hand with some guys. And you won a majority of those exchanges. But so it was like, yeah, it can get violent. A knockout punch can be violent, but the setup of it was artistry. Sure. The way we made you square your feet up, the way I put my feet and you fell into the trap, the faint that the regular person didn't see. The snap before where the guy thought you were going to, and you didn't. The guy, you don't use both hands. Yeah. You only used one. Only punch one hand. All those things, artistry. But the guy that's sitting back in, with a beer and a couch drinking, he didn't see that. He didn't see the snap before. No. He didn't see him look him off. Well, I mean, <laughs> and you're even talking about a GM. I mean, those guys, are all they're seeing is violence. Right. He didn't see him look him yeah. off. He doesn't see that he looked down the line, uh, down a, a couple plays later, he looks down the line, sets it up like, I'm, I'm not worried about this guy. Setting him up the whole time. I mean, there's so much little things that you see, and you're like, good God. At, yeah, it's football. At what point it's in your coaching career did you connect with John at the Chiefs? You know, what is that, 2002? Uh, like no, I, I came there in 04. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's when, and the whole thing was his personality, very blue collar, very like matter of fact, direct. You know, Chip just wanted to get things done, you know, and and really had a very good like understanding of training. How how long have you been coaching up to that point? Shoot, that was my first year coaching. That's that's what was a big deal because now I was at the University of Missouri after I retired. Now I'm going back, trying to figure out. So I work at Sprint for 364 days to kind of see what, what the quote-unquote real world is. And I'm like, that's where I learned about leadership and management and somebody that would say that they were leading me. I'm like, no, you're, you're managing me. You're making sure you're not my leader. Like, don't, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't big yourself up like that. So it was like I'm, I'm, I'm at this company. I'm in a suit and a tie, and then I'm learning that. And I'm looking around, and people will use the word fatigue. People will use the word tired. And I was like, this is blasphemy, first of all, that you're even using these words while we're seated. (laughs) (laughs) And so 360, I'm going to do a year here. So I did 364 days. At 365, I called my old strength coach and I said, hey, you were right. I'm not built for this. I tried it. He laughed and said, all right, we'll be ready tomorrow. And so by the time I get to the University of Missouri, he's already taken a job with the Oakland Raiders. So luckily, that's where I meet Pat Ivey, and we had the same uh, um, football agent. So we had the same football agent, and he had graduated from the University of Missouri. Mm-hmm. So it was like this thing that had to happen 
two personalities meet. And I mean, I love the dude immediately. And the thing was, he was so instrumental. He's like, listen, you don't have a lot of time, so I'm gonna give you as much information as I can give you. Yeah. He's like, as much as you can hold on to, I'm gonna give you as much information. First question, he says, do you want a full-time position where all you are is the black guy in the strength room doing black guy things with the black players and all that Sambo type shit? Or do you want to learn how to run a program? If you want to learn how to run a program, stay, get your master's, get your GA, and this is how long it's going to take. The stipend is 600. I'll make it 900. You're going to live measly for a while, but you'll get all this information. You don't have a lot of time. What do you want to do? And I'm like, I'll take the GA. He's like, okay, bet. Just understand, your clock is ticking. And he's like, you know what I'm saying. We know each other. I'm like, okay, bet. At that point, intentionality right now. Right. Now I'm like, okay, sets, reps, schemes. Uh, uh, what, 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 is, what is like a, the progression? What are we talking about? This language, you know what I mean? So this is, remember, my background was not Kinesis. So it was like, now I'm trying to pick up this language. Now I get these books thrown at me. And I'm like in the deep part of the ocean, like, what language is this? And so now I'm like, okay, bet. All right, periodization. Well, what is, well, what is this? Where are we going? And now I'm just like learning so basically because I don't know a freaking thing. Guess what? Because I didn't know anything, I learned a lot. If I would have came in and knew something, I don't know if he would have given me all that information. Right. I don't know if Brian Mann would have spent that much time with me. You know what I mean? He spent so much time while we were sitting there training, educating me on just the art of strength and conditioning. Mm -hmm. You know, Scott Bird, who had been all over the place, who was at Oklahoma when they won the national championships, and he was just sitting there. Those guys spent so much time literally putting me together and building me. And then it was like, okay, I have this information now. And it was like, okay, now don't fail us. Don't do anything rude. We expect to compete really well with you whenever we play any of your teams. Mm. And anytime we played each other, big meal that night, a lot of trash talking, eyeballs across the field, big hugs afterwards. Mm -hmm. Anytime. Anytime I did anything that was perceived successful, first guy's the call. It's always them. Great job with that stuff. You guys show a lot of mental fortitude. You guys show a lot of character development. They hardly talk about strength. They all always bring up like uh, 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 just basically sports psychology. Mm -hmm. You know, they bring up nutrition a lot. Good job with that stuff. Availability, you know, and then we just kind of go. <laughs> yeah. What made you jump to the NFL from there? You know, um, those guys in the league, strength and conditioning in the league, I think it takes a long time to learn how to apply it to what the guy's going through. Mm -hmm. After going, it's like a guy competes at a really high level. Level of soreness and his availability for, in, for the next game, his contract, all these other factors to play in. He gets 100 mil up front. Do you want? to hit this guy with an accommodated resistance set at whatever, whatever speeds? Or should we make sure he's healthy? Yeah. Maybe pull back on that a little bit. He is never gonna touch 90%. Let's go ahead and touch and call 80, whatever, his max. Make sure that he's available for a camp. Make sure his back doesn't tighten up. Make sure his hips don't compress. Make sure his spine doesn't compress. Make sure his shoulder capsules don't. So it's like, okay, all that stuff you're dealing with in the league, it's like, man, all right. Occasionally, you'll get a guy like him mm -hmm. that wants to train. 
They yeah, can we, call you BS on your training. He's and like, we banged heavy. Yeah, he's like, yo, let's, if we're going to do this, let's go. Yeah, if we're going to yeah, go yeah. in here, I'm, I'm not coming here to lift lightweights. Right. Nobody so, gets excited about lifting lightweights. Yeah. Nobody does. So and I don't. Occasionally, you run into a guy like him. Yeah. But more than not, you run into a guy that lost that, 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 that edge because of the check. As soon as the check came, he was like, okay, let me, let me train, but just enough. Don't want to get tight. Don't want to get hurt. But yeah, there's other that. guys. There's other, other, other side. You know, and I think in college, it's so pure. Yeah, it's pure, man. That's somebody's daughter. That's somebody's son. That's somebody's somebody. So how much? How many times do you load them vertically? How many times do you load that spine? Do you understand what you're doing to the central nervous system? Do you understand what you under, you're doing to stress? Did you help them with stress management? Because that's what all life is, right? So it's like, man, they've got class. They've got relationships. They've got their sport. They've got growing up that they're trying to figure out on top of family. So how do you help them manage those things? And it was like such a pure deal that the decision was so simple. Mm -hmm. You know, even now, a league team called me to check. I mean, the zeros better never end. You know what I mean? Yo, I don't owe the league a damn thing. The zeros better never end, just like the league would do. You know what I mean? If if it's all about money, let's go. Let's talk. But if you think you're doing me a favor because you got three letters to you, that's lost in translation. No, and then they call and act like they're doing it. Right, right. You're not doing me a favor because you're an NFL team. Yeah. So it's like and when you look at college and how pure it is, and golly, man, you love these dudes. You love these young people. It's like, it's like man, that that feeling, that type of love, that's why. That's why college always college. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Unless the check just is ridiculous. <laughs> you're like, I can't walk away from it. Yeah. It's no, like I'm it's an offer you. I can't refuse. And no, so there you go. I think it's what we were talking about, like with the, um, you know, all this transfer portal LIL stuff is you're taking a little bit of the purity away from it and putting these kids in a situation where it's like, uh, like I, re- I love the fact that these kids are making money. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, if you can like put it, but I also want a certain level of innocence. Like I want yeah, my kids man. to be innocent. Like I, I, like I, uh, I told my daughter, I'm like, you guys have phones. Uh, I will randomly take your phones at any time and I will check your search history. Oh, if God. there's fucking anything on there, we're yeah. fucking, it's going to be fucking yeah, hell to pay. Yeah. And they know. And, I, and I'm yeah. like, there's a whole bunch of bad shit on the internet mm-hmm. and things you don't need to see that are for adults. And, and believe me, yeah. things I'm too young for. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I was like, you don't need to see the ugliest in the world. Now I'm going to tell you it's out there, mm-hmm. but I don't need you tapping yeah, into it because yeah. it's gonna, it's not going to go yeah, anywhere. Man, it's not, and you like, can't unsee it. Yeah, you can't unsee yeah, it. Yeah. And so for a lot of these kids, like there's some purity in this is yeah. showing up here and playing for this and going through the whole deal. Oh, and now all of a sudden man. you've added this and like, you know, you can't stop progress. Yeah. It is the world we live in yeah. but i feel uh, i feel a little bit of it's been lost yeah, and, and i, I and wish i could I, give it back to yeah, him and I, and I understand what you're saying that purity deal is a big deal because before a guy could say you know those three letters nil or before a guy could say man i've got my um I, i'm projecting to be the first pick or the second pick so i'm not going to play in this bowl game there was that i'm just going to be competing the competition that purity of just yeah. you versus me the whole year mm-hmm. was there you know but then all of a sudden the truth came out and the truth was college is a business well, and for a long time, we were telling young people it wasn't. It's awesome, dude. Well, man, thank you so much for Anytime, uh, for, for fucking splitting the wig and dropping knowledge. Nah, I'm always, uh, no knowledge, I'm always appreciative. You, just anytime, Coach. Shit, you know. You well, you know guy, what? Coach. You guys are playing UT in November. Yeah, that means I'm talking to you. Yeah, it means, uh, means we're coming yeah, to the yeah. game. I'd love to bring yeah, my kids yeah. and everybody to the game and uh, and let you see them. Yeah, I don't know who your opponents are. I just know we're supposed to go a week at a time. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be seeing you down there. I mean, there. it's literally like right now. Like, so if we do our jobs right now, we have a chance to put our best foot forwards. But 
the opponents, the schools, faceless. This is what's crazy. It's going to sound crazy. Some some diehard fan out there is going to be offended. Good. Offend people. Fucking offend away. That other kid, someone else's kid versus your kid. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It's like the win. This is a very basic. What are we saying here? That other child, that other 18 to 22 year old that's been working his butt off to get to wherever he's getting to versus your 18 or 22 year old that's working his butt off to wherever he's getting to. Hope they're both healthy. Play your hardest. Keep it healthy. Keep it freaking clean. Keep your hands up at all times. Right? Respect each other. And I mean, ball out. Lay it on the line. But it's like, what's the win? Yeah. What's the win? What's the the deal? You want your guy to impose his will and get the W on the board, but there's bigger wins. Well, the bigger win is do they grow up to be a healthy, intelligent, well-adjusted? Did the experience allow them to be better versions of themselves? Because I honestly think, as as we were talking, thinking about guys I played with, I wonder how many eggs were broken and how many guys never recovered. Right, right. And, uh, you know, that was my college coach's deal. We got to break a lot of eggs to make an omelet and not all you guys are going to make it. And it was like fucking Omaha Beach. And uh, I think a lot of those dudes are still fucked up from it. Yeah, I'm telling you, that's why it's like you sit there and you watch the um, you watch the sport in a martial art way, and you're like, okay, alignment, assignment, and technique. That's how that's how you're watching it. And then uh, the crack of the helmet happens, and you're like, okay, that was clean. Oh, that wasn't clean. I hope he's all right. Yeah. You know, that's automatically you go to. Now, based on everything you've been doing up to this point, and how intentional you were, and the habits that you created, and 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 the plan and the adjustments you made and the people you brought in and the character and just everything that you supported the head coach with. Based on all that, the scoreboard reveals everything you've been doing, reveals a lot about you. You know what I mean? So it's like, that's where we're at. Sounds a little weird, you know? But some guy out there is going to hate it. (laughs) No, it's awesome. Some guy out there is like, no, 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 no. Okay, cool. Cool. Well, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Power Ethy Radio. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. You can follow Coach Kaz Kazadi on Instagram, finally, with the handle, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce it, but it's at M-U-A-D-I-A-N-V-I-T-A dot Kazadi. Until next time, bye!